Dissecting Dexter is brought to you by Audible.com. For your free audiobook download and free trial, go to www.audibletrial.com slash Dexter. Hi everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of Dissecting Dexter. Special for a variety of reasons. Firstly, this is, of course, our chance to talk about that finale we just saw. Secondly, it's special because, as Dexter would say, this is unique. It's not just a podcast with guests, as has become traditional at the end of the season. It's a podcast in which the floor is open for listeners to call in with thoughts reactions, questions, or just to say hello, or... I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea if this will be car crash podcasting, or maybe an inspired idea. We'll find out over the next hour or two. But honestly, I'm really excited to chat about the finale. As emotional as it was, and I dare say maybe a bit more emotional for some than others, as from your feedback, it's clear the finale split the audience, like the season did in general. But I hope we get a good split of opinion tonight. Before I bring in my guests, a uh, quick bit of housekeeping, upcoming podcast episodes. Uh, the top five moments of the season, um, as has become traditional, as, as this podcast has, um, I like to do a, a top five countdown of your highlights of the season that we've just watched. Uh, this year is no exception, but of course it's dependent on uh, contributions from you guys. Uh, so... Email in to dissectingdexter at gmail.com with your top five favourite moments from season eight. Uh, some of you may <laughs> uh, sense the irony of this, that maybe you might struggle to find five. Some of you might, but um, if that's the case, and just count down your top one or two or three or whatever. Um, rank them in order from five down to one being your favourite and email them over to me and I'll compile them for a, a podcast probably in two or three weeks time. There'll also be the feedback podcast. I've had quite a bit in already and um, I shall be going through that. I intend to go through that next week, all being well. Uh, so there'll be another podcast to come next week, which will just be me going over your feedback. And it's also been suggested that I do a podcast uh, of uh, your favourite moments from the whole series, all eight seasons, uh, which I think would be a lot of fun. And I think it would be a really hard job to uh, limit your favourites or, or whittle them down to just five. But um, again, dependent on contributions from you guys. So if you fancy contributing to um, a podcast like that, then um, again, email in to me, dissectingdexter at gmail.com, with your top five favourite moments from the entire series. And it will be interesting to see how many from the first four seasons. I dare say most of them will be, but who knows. OK. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, right, let's bring in my first two guests, who will be uh, my guest hosts for the podcast tonight. Uh, firstly, uh, Travis from California, who has been uh, a part-time guest host of the podcast this season, for which I am eternally grateful. Uh, welcome, Travis. Thanks for coming on tonight. How are you doing? Uh, very well, thank you. Greetings to one and all. <laughs> Great to have you back. And... Uh, Welcoming back also uh, Mike Lanich from Penn State. Hi, Mike. Hey, Gareth. Uh, glad I'm here and uh, just glad we get to chat a little bit about Dexter uh, for the last time probably. Yes, indeed. Quite possibly for, for a lot of people. This, this may be, I dare say for a lot of listeners, it might be the last podcast, uh, the last Dissecting Dexter that you listen to. So I, um, 
I hope we uh, we do the finale justice tonight and, and give it a good send off. Um, obviously, let, let's just start very broadly um, and, and talk about our our initial reactions to the finale. Perhaps thinking back to when the credits rolled and, and how we felt in those first few minutes after the episode ended and, and what our initial reaction was. Uh, Travis, can I start with you, mate? Uh, you know, I don't know, maybe it's sad to say, I don't know, a little indifferent, I guess. Maybe, well, it's probably a good thing that I, I wasn't as angry as some people were. You know, I, you see headlines online, people saying, like, the worst finale of any TV show ever or something like that. I, I guess I was just a little indifferent. I was sort of like, yeah, is this it, you know? During the whole... During the whole episode, I really I kept thinking back like, man, they're you know they're fumbling the ball all the way to the end zone. Even at, that's a American football reference, Gareth. Don't worry, your fans will know what we're mm-hmm. talking about. Uh, but uh, I, I remember thinking like, man, this, they're screwing it up all the way to the end. And then they the the Deb and Dexter stuff uh, that actually was a little heartbreaking. Again, I guess that that's putting it strongly. I mean, that was emotional to be sure. And, uh, so I thought that was cool, but then the whole, the coda happened and and we're, we're definitely going to talk about that later. So I won't, uh, finish all my thoughts on that right now, but, uh, it was a little indifferent. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Mike, how did you feel? Uh, you know, I think probably, you know, similar to Travis, I, I, I remember, uh, you know, the, it fade to black and I remember sitting there. And I think the things I was I was thinking of was okay. I don't hate it, and I don't love it. You know, like it, it didn't really it didn't seem like it really hit one or the other more. Yeah. So I'm not really sure exactly. Uh, you know, my thoughts were after that. But I, I do remember thinking uh, th- there was one thought that really uh, dominated, and it was ever since since Deb died. I remember thinking. So a blood clot killed her, and it wasn't really Saxon, so that felt kind of not right, you know? Like, Saxon didn't even really kill her, it was more like a blood clot killed her. So, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so, I mean, my initial reaction um, was almost a calmness mixed with the sadness, because although I was sad about Deb, and she didn't deserve to die, it kind of made dramatic sense to me in order to complete Dexter's eight-season arc. Would I have preferred an ending in which she lived? Yes, probably, but that scene in the hospital when Dexter turned off her life support, that got me. Um, stuck a great big lump in my throat, and that was that was still staying with me after the credits rolled. Um, and I kind of... It was kind of strange because the season as a whole has been disappointing, of course, and, and that did loom over like a bit of a cloud over the uh, the finale. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't a, a disaster of an episode. Um, I enjoyed a lot of it. Uh, I had some niggles, uh, which of course we'll we'll get to, and I'm sure they're they're. Um, irritations that that you guys and a lot of people will have shared um but i think my uh, initial reaction was okay that's fair enough it's a logical place to end it um it it made sense to me um 
and I was just kind of sad that it was that it was all over that that was it so um i mean i I guess we can get into some some finer details um mm-hmm. let's let's pick out shall we some of our let's let's start positive shall we let let's think of our um our favorite bits of the episode okay. uh I'm sure we've got some, even if uh, yeah. you're kind of indifferent <laughs> about the episode, because I, I do believe some of it did work very well. Um, I, I've mentioned the, the hospital scene there with Dexter turning off the life support, so um, maybe we could... I don't know if you guys share that, that opinion, but for me that was a real highlight of the episode. I, um, I have to say, Michael Seahill was fantastic in the episode overall, but he's... The emotions on his face at different times, which is great work. But that hospital scene, I love you, Deb, that that was the gut punch for me. The gut punch I'd held out hope for that, that would be coming in, in the finale. Um, although I didn't know exactly what that would entail. Um, does it vindicate the season? No. Does it vindicate the finale? No. But it, it did make the finale better overall for me. Uh, it was the emotional tug I'd hoped for. Um, what, what did you guys think of that scene? Well, not to not to rain on your parade, but oh, man, let's no. see that. Did, well, that didn't work for me because it didn't mean shit when Dexter's already telling Hannah he loves her. Like two episodes ago, maybe just one episode prior, he tells Hannah he loves her, and it's like, okay, well now this dude's loving whatever. Uh, I, it didn't work for me. Him like that's a big deal. Like I love you, Deb, and that's something I guess we all knew. Him saying it didn't wasn't surprising to me. It's I mean, it's my my favorite character. Hannah just ruined it for me. If she she wasn't there hogging up all Dexter's love, it might have been a big deal. But otherwise, I don't think it was. Yeah, I guess I I come I'm kind of somewhere in between. I mean, I think in the moment, for me, it was it was effective, but it was effective because it was the last thing he was ever going to say to her, probably. At least that we saw, because obviously, you know, he took her down to the boat, they went out, and he dropped her in the water. And if I remember correctly, there was no dialogue at that point either. So really, the I Love You Deb was the last thing that we ever heard um, heard him say to to his sister. So I think in that moment, it was it was effective for me because it was the last thing that he was ever going to say. But... I also share in what you said, Travis, in a way, because if anybody was ever going to have the strongest connection between Dexter and any other character was always going to be Deb, and it always should have been Deb. Uh, I know we can get into this later, but it's one of the big missteps I felt they made throughout the last, the tail end of the series, was by trying to have somebody come along and have some kind of a connection and a relationship with Dexter that superseded what he had with Deb. Mm-hmm. And so that, that I love you to Hannah, it kind of was like, well, if, if he was ever going to say, I love you to anybody, it should have always been, you know, either Harrison or Deb. Definitely the, you know, those two in particular first before anybody ever else should have been, you know, those words should have been associated. Yeah, I agree. Um, it was, it's just not that big a deal. Uh, that whole episode kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like lowered, it, it diminished its own value by 
having love everywhere. Suddenly, Deb tells Quinn he loves her, and Harrison says he loves Hannah, and Dexter's I love Deb. The whole thing was so saccharine. Just, everything's love is in the air. It was like v- Valentine's Day, you know? <laughs> is that cute for a song? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sandra will be disappointed if we don't have a song uh, at some point. Uh, She's been wanting me to say. Just play Love is in the Air. Sing Love yeah. is in the Air. That'll work. <laughs> I'll insert that in the edit. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was it was very. Uh, I, I I did find it touching. I I must admit. Um, I guess I'm just a sucker for uh, uh, for the Deb and Dexter relationship. It's um, it's been such such a central feature of the show. That um, well, we knew at that point she was going to die, and uh, seeing Dexter's emotions just kind of all out there, all over the floor. Um, yeah, I just fell for it. <laughs> so, um, and, and as I say, Hall's performance in that scene was um, was so effective. I mean, it's it's not it's not often we've seen much emotion on Dexter's face ever, really. Uh, so, um, it was kind of a special moment for me as a as a viewer and, and long term fan of the show. Unfortunately, um, that scene was kind of marred <laughs> but, uh, uh, by what happened immediately after when he just uh, carried her straight out of the hospital yeah. um, in full view. I know that, that this. I'd, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about the wrap-up podcast again in, in uh, tonight, but they talked about it this week, didn't they, and, and said... Um, uh, about Dexter just walking out, and that well, everybody was just distracted with making preparations for the hurricane coming. But I cry bullshit. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't buy that. <laughs> I mean, it, it suited. It suited the circum. I mean, it's convenient writing, isn't it? Again, yeah. Um, yeah. there'd have been CCTV all over the place. Uh, I mean, I guess you could argue nitpicky, but it's just. It just. It's just another element of sloppiness, isn't it? He didn't well, even try to be discreet. Well, that's a, that's the thing, though. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's something I want to get into, you know, later. But it's really a hallmark of of what's happened as the series went along. Specifically, I would say it definitely started in season five. Uh, not as, as maybe well, it started in season five, and it's really gone on to the, to the end. Um, there, at some point during the series run, run, uh, run, uh, everybody uh, in charge. Seem to feel that the details mattered less. Getting things right wasn't as important as just getting what they needed in there for the moment as opposed to saying, okay, well, could this really happen? Okay, no, this couldn't happen. Okay, then we gotta figure out a way to make it happen, but make it feel like it could actually work. You know, like someone's not gonna look at the, the episode and go, yeah, well, that would never actually work. You do realize that. I mean, it's those details and in the in the plot holes and just you know characters behaving in ways they simply would not behave, uh, making choices that um, they need them to make for the plot as a pl- as opposed to uh, a decision they'd make organically, uh, and then flowing from that is is what I feel it really brought the show down and I, and it it's in something like that it's you know it's an innocuous detail, but. Something like him carrying the body out, and there's like people everywhere because obviously with the storm coming, there's people everywhere, and just you know, 
like, okay, well, we need him to carry her body out. We need her, uh, him to be able to take it down to the boat. So, oh, we'll just say that, hey, you know, nobody really would have noticed. Nah, sorry, don't buy it. And it's those details that matter. It's those details that make the difference. Uh, you know what? I wasn't all that bothered by it. Don't hate me. Um, I feel like the the worst thing in that scene, apart from Dexter stealing a dead body, it was man that those graphics, those CGI hurricane graphics, man. <laughs> as soon as I knew, you know, two episodes ago when there was going to be a hurricane at the end, I immediately thought of you know the shoestring budget Showtime produces this show on, and like. Oh, you know, marvelous! They're gonna try to replicate a hurricane on this show, please. <laughs> you know, um, and sure enough, you know, even Dexter's out there in the water. Supposedly, the the gosh damn eye of the hurricane's right next to him, and the water is calm as hell, crystal blue. Like, oh please, and <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, it, well, we could talk about it now. Those leaked photos that our that our favorite podcaster sent to us all. Yeah. Uh, just, just before you do, Travis, um, uh-huh. sort of welcoming Nick Henderson to the call um, Hello. from the Four Player Podcast. Hi, Nick. How are you doing? Doing good. How are you? Very well, thank you. Uh, you're on with uh, Travis and Mike. Um, we've just been giving our initial reactions so far, um, and, mm. and then we've kind of moved into talking about the I Love You Deb Hospital scene, mm-hmm. and we've, we've segued into um, some of the negatives of the show. Uh, yeah. But... Um, I know your your window of opportunity is is quite limited, um, so before we we talk about the spoilers, Travis, perhaps uh, how long have you got, Nick? Uh, probably about ten, fifteen minutes tops. Okay, um, perhaps perhaps you'd like to give us your um, initial reactions to the finale. Uh, my my initial reaction, I mean, like upon seeing the credits roll, was actually uh, I was kind of shocked. I didn't really know how to feel or what to think at that exact moment because I realized, you know, there's not going to be anything after this. And there were certain, there was a part of me that was like, that didn't necessarily feel like a finale of a, a show this big really should. But after letting it process for a day or two, uh, and I started to notice things and people started to point things out to me that I had, that I had missed. And of course, reading some of the interviews from Scott Buck and everything, um, I feel better about it. I certainly didn't hate it. And I actually think it's probably one of my favorite episodes of the season. Though I think the season in general is probably going to go down as one of the worst of the show's yeah. history. Oh yeah. Um, but the, but there are the, the thing about this episode that I wanted to, that I kind of wanted to point out is I think there were like glimpses in this episode of some of the like really brilliant writing that we saw in the first like four seasons um, that really hadn't they hadn't done a whole lot of that this this season in general. But like like the thing at the airport where he had to come up with an idea to get Elway distracted. Like I thought that was really smart. Like I was like, what is he doing? That and then when I realized what he was doing, I was like, that's actually, like, classic Dexter. I haven't seen him do something like that in a while. And then the uh, the scene in the prison cell where he's talking to Saxon, uh, that and how that scene played out, I thought was really well done. Um, and then there are things that kind of trickled in later that I didn't notice. I actually just found something right before we, I came on here that kind of blew my mind. We're going back to talking about the hospital scene. Uh, yeah. Somebody put, like, a... The pictures, the screenshots side by side, I think it was like season two or season three or something, where Deb was talking to Dexter about, um, I think, I think they were talking about Harry and how, oh no, this is when they were, she was talking about his friend in the hospital and he, and he, uh, he, he euthanized her with the, the key lime pie. Uh-huh. And she, Deb had said, hey, if I ever end up like that, just kill me. I don't want to end up like that. 
and like they put it side by side with the screenshots from the finale, and it's you're just like holy shit. I, I don't know how if they were planning it to happen that way, but that was a really nice throwback in my opinion to to the you know earlier seasons of the show, and I think it kind of honored the characters really well. I don't know. A lot of people probably have mixed feelings about Deb's death and how it played out, but uh, I thought that was really poetic. Doc. <laughs> Are we at an airport? That's a light one. Sorry, I have an airport flying over me. Uh, you hear it? Am I unmuted? <laughs> you are unmuted. <laughs> uh, this is Jason, sorry. Hi, Jason. Yeah, that's that's interesting, Nick. I'd forgotten that. Oh, oh. Try, try that again, Nick. Oh, there we go. Can you hear me? Yep, perfect. Fantastic. I was just going to say, I don't know if you all have talked at all about the, the final scene with the... Uh, the lumberjack, Dexter. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Uh, no. You'll probably go into depth about it after I leave and all, but I just wanted to kind of, like, I didn't know what to think about that. And then I was reading, I think it was an interview with Scott Buck, and he had said they specifically chose the the lumberjack lifestyle kind of thing to symbolize him exiling himself into a place where he was going to hear chainsaws all the time, which is how his yeah. mother was killed, hmm. which... Uh, didn't necessarily click for me, and it wasn't really made super clear on the actual show. But when you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, so I don't know, I, my initial reactions were shock, but after a while of thinking about it, I, I, I'm actually pretty pleased with how a lot of it wrapped up. Though, like most of the other other episodes this season, it was kind of sloppy, especially that walking Deb out of the hospital with no one stopping him scene. <laughs> that, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we were just we we just kind of mentioned that before um, you came on the call that it was um, it took away. I, I was saying that it took away for me the emotional impact of the "I Love You" Deb scene. Yeah, because uh, that that really that scene really got me. Um, and then suddenly he's walking out bold as brass uh, with with people all around. And the writers on the podcast, the wrap up, they said, um, "Oh well, everybody was busy." Uh, getting ready for the hurricane, but I, I cried foul. <laughs> I don't buy that. I think the, you know, these may not be the best writers in TV history. I mean, I, I certainly think like Breaking Bad right now is kind of running circles around them, but I feel like the, these, this group of writers is, would have been capable of coming up with something a little more believable than just wheeling her out of the hospital with no problems. Um, but honestly, that was the only moment the entire episode where it kind of shatter the illusion and I was like I for, and I you know came snapping back to reality like what like holy shit are you serious like everything else was actually in my opinion for this final episode was actually pretty well done um I, I was just it kind of left me speechless and a lot of people I was watching it with were calling foul too I was like oh my god everybody calm down <laughs> uh, it just yanked yanked you out of there I don't know what they were thinking with that one but uh everything yeah. else around I thought was pretty solid it was I enjoyed the episode thoroughly, especially after having a few days to think about it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I was I was saying that my my reaction was I was fairly calm about it. I, I certainly wasn't. Um, well, there was still that tinge of disappointment after the season that we've had, uh, and, and the finale didn't vindicate the season, but dramatically, I got it, and yeah. I, I I got what they were trying to do. Um, I mean, we can still argue that it wasn't the compelling final season that we'd hoped for, uh, but I get what they were trying to do. It just yeah, there, there, were, too, there were too many sloppy points through the season for it to all totally. sort of come together perfectly. 
I was uh, I, I I draw comparisons to season six a lot because that's also a season that was that was you know a lot of people didn't like, but I feel like the final moments of that season, like that the whole kill scene in the church, in my opinion, is probably one of the best produced and best executed scenes of the entire show, almost to the point where it's like it it almost redeemed that season for me in those final moments. Like, I love that scene so much. And I was really hoping there was going to be something like that at the end of the, of the series that would kind of redeem the season in my eyes. But it didn't quite have that emotional impact. And i got, I got to be honest, I was kind of... I, I'm, I'm kind of astounded they didn't finish the series with, like, one epic kill room scene. There was only one, like, true kill room scene this entire show where he actually killed someone in a kill room, which... Uh, Kind of blows my mind, considering it's the final season of the show. Yeah, but kind of ties in with his his journey of, well, the journey he got to where he was rejecting his darkness uh, with some finality. We assume, um, so he, he he didn't have that same need anymore, did he? So I guess that was sort of running in parallel with that that he, we didn't have those traditional kill scenes anymore. The kills that were there, I think, were pretty satisfying. I think the like the. I already forgot his name. The guy under the bed. The guy they Yates. Yeah, AJ Yates. AJ. He killed Yates under the bed. I thought that was kind of like that was in the room. Remember watching that? We all freaked out. And of course, I like I actually really enjoyed the prison scene with Saxon. Like that whole scene was like pretty classic Dexter. And then of course when he pushes the button to call call in the uh, the guards. Yeah. That was that was pretty awesome. And then that of course led to the scene with Batista. And Quinn watching the tape, which I feel was was really interesting, really fun to watch because you could you could tell both of them realize, holy shit, something may not be right with Dexter. Like they both knew something was a little off. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> a lot of moments in this episode. It just didn't quite have the impact, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It was it was an episode with with some good stuff, I think, um, and some niggles that, that we've. We've been talking about. It's an opportunity to get out. I think I got lost there. Oh, there we Jason. go. Hi, Jason. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, I was going to just say one thing. I don't feel like the. Uh, I mean, I, I get what they're going for, but they didn't add up to it all along. I felt like you know, the whole thing with uh, okay, if you straddle both worlds, you're going to kill everyone around you. But if you choose a side, you'll be fine. But then when you choose a side, Deb dies. And if you had straddled both worlds, everyone would have been fine. Hey, yeah. good point. And yeah, then yeah, top, yeah. But they're like, well, they're like, well, this is the best way to punish Dexter. Well, the thing about it was he'd been punished all along. I felt like he didn't need to be punished again. And then on top, I mean, I don't know. I was gonna, it was something I, a point on this that I wanted to make. But the, the point of it was, I felt like they felt like they had to punish him. You know, for like, okay, well, I'm a, th- I'm a threat to those around me. But actually, no, I've decided to quit being a serial killer, so technically, I'm not a threat. It just, didn't, it didn't add up. Yeah, that whole thing was, the message was muddled, where Hannah supposedly gave him a will to to stop killing again, Uh, and so I don't know why he thinks he would hurt anybody if he's not killing, if he's living with his family. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why Harrison didn't go with Jamie. I don't know why the sky's blue. I don't know anything anymore. (laughs) <laughs> well, the thing, like the thing, one thing that tied into me was like I, I told Gareth is that I liked the ending of Lost. I liked the way it all tied together. I felt like it flowed. It, it followed the narrative it wanted at all. Well, the problem I'm having is Dexter. It said one thing and then did another. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I, I, th- I think yeah. the only argument I can make against, I, you said, you know, straddling both worlds, and then ultimately he decides not to, and that's kind of what ended up being his downfall. That's, ve- that's very true, but at the same time, he had someone the entire season telling him he shouldn't be straddling both worlds. So at the time, as a character, he probably felt like he was making the right decision. Obviously, as an audience, we're seeing it differently. Um, but yeah, you, you do make a good point. I, th- I think that was I'm made sorry, the wrong I d- decision. I just remembered my exact my point that I was going to talk about the punishment. The point of it was they felt like all along they're punishing him for being a serial killer. The the part um, can you hear me now? Yeah, sorry, yeah. Nick Nick's had to leave us. He uh, he only oh, has a small window to to chat, but he's gone. Thanks well, thanks Nick for well, joining us. Carry on, Jason. Well, sorry. What I was saying was that the whole point of the, the, the writer's justification is like, well, he's, he has to be punished. He's a bad man. And so we have to punish him. But then he's punished for not being bad. But if he'd continued to be bad, he wouldn't have been punished. So it, it's just kind of a, what, what? What's your point here? It doesn't make any sense. I mean, I felt like he didn't need to be punished. He's not Walter White. He didn't choose to be a serial killer. He just was, you know? It was, uh-huh. I just felt like he, there was, there was, I don't feel they needed to punish him. I thought that was just kind of like a, you know, they, they glorify the whole thing of, oh, he's a serial killer, he's a hero. So, okay, you're glorifying him, and then all of a sudden you want to punish him. It's like you're yanking us around, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say uh, to your point. I mean, but you're absolutely right. Uh, this idea of punishing Dexter for doing the what what I guess we're supposed to think is the right thing by turning Saxon into Deb uh that's un- that's ridiculous well even the fact that this is a uh, repeated history from season four the similar thing dexter yeah. straddling both worlds and then someone he loves getting hurt because he didn't do the right thing uh similarly in season six dexter chose to spare travis marshall's life early on doing what's supposedly the right thing and harrison gets kidnapped because of it um D- but at that point, he thought Harris, he, at that point, he thought Travis Marshall was not the, the bad guy. It wasn't that true. he was thinking he was the bad guy and letting him go. He was duped. Yeah, very true. Um, but this is all just uh, retreaded ground. The fact that Dexter trying to, I, I get straddling both worlds, trying to do the right thing uh, and be a killer does f- fuck him up. Yeah. But, but that we, we've done this since uh, seasons past, and so I mean it was a little uh, tiring. Even the brain surgeon was, in a way, kind of a retread of the ice truck killer. But I didn't yeah, think the brain surgeon was all bad. I well, didn't have a problem. you know, uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. I was going to say uh, you can see what you were going to say. Um. Well, yeah. You know, I, I look at this this whole season in general, and I see. What I noticed was a lot of, and I mean, it's nice to see some of them, but there was a lot of what I felt were really forced and heavy-handed nods to the past. Um, like they were tr- trying to bottle some of those great things that were hallmarks of the last, you know, seven seasons of Dexter, um, and and try to bring them back in. Um, and I thought that a few of them were nice to see, but most of them didn't work. And, mm-hmm. and I actually saw the brain surgeon almost as Dexter from before season one started. You know, um, yeah, sure. To me, I could see yeah, that. I mean, he was you know very uh, unfeeling. Uh, he hadn't yet met anybody that like Rita. There was just it was pre season one Dexter to me, 
and, which I thought was nice. But my biggest problem for this whole this whole one of my biggest problems for this whole season was, and it's been a problem for a while is. Saxon, first of all, they shouldn't have done that whole stupid, uh, AJ Yates, uh, is the brain surgeon. What we should have been given was Saxon revealed early in the season, um, and he should have gone down as Dexter's greatest enemy. He should have gone down as, as his greatest enemy. He, he should have, he should have, I mean, this should have been a bloodbath this season. He should have been going after everybody that Dexter Loves, yes, that know. would have been perfect. Yeah. I, I mean, he should have earned the right to be the final villain that Dexter has to go up against, and, and it just never happened. I mean, by the time I felt he really kind of came into his own, it was like, you know, the, the last two episodes. What do you do? I, that, that, I'm sorry, that doesn't really do it for me. Well, one yeah, thing, I, too, is... Oh, go on. I was going to say it would have been interesting if they would have made him a threat where he was going around taking around those around Dexter and making it look like... De- Oh, is he gone? Hello? Mm. Um, where's Jason here? gone? I think, I think he's gone. I think, I think, I think he's lost gone. his mm. connection. Maybe he lost his signal. Oh, oh he's coming back. <laughs> Hi, Jason. Sorry, technical difficulties. Um, <laughs> no, I thought it would, I thought it would have been interesting if they would have set up, like, maybe have, you know, the brain surgeon setting up or taking out people around him and making it look like he's guilty. And so it's like people are pursuing him, but for, it's actually for something he didn't do. That might have been interesting, you know what I mean? Like what you're saying, but a, a twist, something like that. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but, uh, I, I think like, uh, Mike pointed out, um, what the brain surgeon? I, I kind of grew on me. <clears throat> excuse me, grew on me at the last uh, few episodes. I I if I guess we want to talk positive for just a moment. Um, I I kind of liked him in this last episode. He reminded me a lot of uh, Anton Sugar, Sugur, whatever you know from uh, No Country for Old Men. Oh, old yeah. Men, yeah. like the the way he like kind of like took that vet guy hostage. And cut his tongue out, made him go into the hospital. I'm, I, I mean, I thought that stuff was kind of cool. Like, oh my gosh, why wouldn't this dude doing this stuff? You almost forget this dude was a brain surgeon for whatever reason. Like, him cutting out people's brains had nothing to do with anything after episode six, or I get you know after Zach got killed. That didn't even come into play. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's because he'd already reached out to his mom. I that was the whole his... point. Was reaching out to his mom. He'd made his point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it's been a what a season. It, it's on um, the Firewall and Iceberg podcast. I don't know if you listen, listen to that from Hitfix. Alan Seppinwall is one of the guys on there. Uh, they describe the season as it, it's had its good bits, but it's kind of limped to the finish line rather than ploughing towards the finish line. Like, and I'm sure we'll mention the show again, Breaking Bad. Uh, well, and, and, and what well, you talk about there with Saxon is just an example of why and how it's it's limped with these things cropping you know, up I don't, and them being dropped. I don't feel bad about about comparing Breaking Bad and, and Dexter side by side because I I I, pers- I personally think that um, doing so helps to uh, show where. Dexter has failed and in what it means to take a show out at the top of its game. Um, I think if, if we could all go back in time 
and if we could all, I'm sure if we could all rewrite this, this season, um, this season should have been a lot different. I think we all realized what it should have been. They should have continued, uh, the Bay Harbor Butcher storyline. Um, I always, I always thought that, that the season, season two Bay Harbor Butcher storyline was a harbinger of things to come. Almost like a nod to what the end game was really going to eventually be. Like, okay, Dexter, you managed to get out at the last second, but, you know, you're not going to get out at the end. And the end, I thought, was going to be, you know, everybody coming down. You know, Miami Metro, everybody in there figures out who Dexter is, you know. And it it kind of makes me feel bad for people like, uh, you know, C.S. Lee, uh and um, I'm trying to think of Batista. Uh, David Zayas. David Zayas. Yeah. I feel bad. I feel really bad for them because I mean they had literally nothing to do this year, and, and actually the last couple of a few seasons, to be honest with you. And I wanted I wanted the end to be okay. You know, Mizuka uses his blood spatter skills and his ability to be the one to kind of link Dexter. To evidence, and then the shitstorm comes, and it's Dexter up against Miami Metro, the FBI. Oh, plus, by the way, he's got the most dangerous um, serial killer he'll ever face, uh, going around taking out in you know people that that he loves and cares about. You know, and I, I wanted to see, you know, Batista and Jamie dead. You know, he, you know, Dexter goes to visit Batista. He goes in, and they're both in the floor, laying in their dead. And you know what? I would have been fine with that because that would have been shocking, and it would have made the brain surgery. It would have made Saxon. You would have been, like, screaming for Dexter to kill him. And I think if yeah. that would have been the way it would have went, it would have just been balls to the walls from the, from the very first episode of the season to the very end. I think if that wouldn't end up being the, 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 the season we got, I think... Everybody, including us, we would just be applauding the work that they did. We we wouldn't need uh, Vogel or anything like that, or the the brain surgeon. All we 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 would have needed for for a good ending here was just the characters we already had, and we could have rooted for for Angel Batista to bring down Dexter because we really liked him. It would have been a conflict almost like Sandra, that, is that, is that my favorite Sandra? And, uh, yeah. Hi there. Welcome. Guten Tag. Welcome, Sandra from Germany. Hi. We need sound effects. Yes. We need Music. sound effects. I'm sorry. <laughs> I put some on the Facebook page today. There was I saw the the finale and that was the first thing that came to mind. <laughs> The well, Monty yes. Python lum- lumberjack song. Did, yeah. <laughs> Go on. Did you, uh, Sandra? Did you, did you think that? Did you, did you feel the season went anywhere to where you thought it was going to go prior to the beginning of the season? Did you, could you have ever envisioned that this is going to be the season that we got? No, no, <laughs> not in my worst nightmares. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was expecting them to uh, follow. The, the work that La, La Guerta left behind because she left so many leads and I was expecting Batista to find those and follow up on them and um, for Miami Metro uh, itself to bring down Dexter. That's what I was was kind of hoping for and we, we didn't get anything and all this um, diversion into new characters and 
and side plots that really didn't help. It got worse and worse, and and the logic, it was almost like in the 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 show, the following. It it was really bad, and these small things they just take you out of the episode. If it's the um the missing stitches on on Harrison's chin, like in this episode, or um, Hannah not disguising, it just takes you out of. Or the computer wizard, just bad writing. The, yeah. Well, uh, they should have concentrated on details. And they didn't. Well, if you want to talk about details uh, related to Hannah, I'm I'm not sure how this works, but I think if you're flying on an airplane, it's like almost impossible to fly with a child if it's not yours. Yes. Don't you like certainly on an international flight? Wouldn't you need all kinds of documentation and paperwork? You can't just drop some kid off with a strange lady. Yeah. And then on the bus, she just, like, stabs him in the leg and just... She wasn't even whispering when she was like, here's what's going down. I'm going to do this and this, yeah. and you're gone. <laughs> but if you can <laughs> kill someone in nobody. front of his car and nobody nobody cares, yeah. then, of course, you can drug somebody in a bus. Yeah, like, what is going on? <laughs> and, and then if we just talk about the implications of that, imagine Elway, he's going to wake up, and then what's going to happen? I, I don't know, maybe Argentina doesn't extradite, maybe that's going to be an issue, but, I mean, Elway knows... Uh, yeah, Hannah McKay has a child with her, like essentially kidnapped a child for all intents and purposes, and she's yeah. in another country. Does nobody care? What are Aster and Cody gonna think now that? Uh, oh, let's see. Our aunt is in a vegetative state and missing. Our stepdad is missing. Our little brother is missing. What the? Yeah. Does no one care of Aster and Cody's yeah, opinions? Yeah. And actually, you know what? I'm glad you brought that up, Travis, because guess what? We never saw Aster and Cody ever again. Yeah, they got name drops. I mean, That's look, as good I mean, as they got. yeah, it's like it's like you know what? Look, whether you like the actors uh, that played them, whether you like the characters uh, or not, the fact of the matter is, is after after Rita was killed, they were for all intents and purposes dropped out of the show, and it's really bad when the final season of Dexter rolls around, and they they you know instead of all those stupid extra storylines uh like Mizuka's daughter oh yay yeah. i'm oh, glad man. you brought that in um and and all and so many others that we 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 got to see how about a little Aster and Cody since it's the final season You're you right. know like hey they, deb they, deb is in the hospital maybe we should go visit you know yeah, they they could have uh, Aster smoking pot instead um <laughs> <laughs> already did that or, yeah. or Cody um, I don't know just uh, running around the apartment and uh, finding his kill, kill tools and bringing him down that way or raising suspicions something like that but nothing <laughs> yeah they had more important things to get to like daughter tits and stuff like that don't you guys understand that <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you think at the time you think at the time we wasted on Nikki and and Masuka. I mean, as much as I appreciated them giving consideration to Masuka, giving him something to do, it was it ended up being of just zero consequence to the entire show that it rendered it completely meaningless, and it was almost an insult to Masuka that when he finally does get something that requires him to be on screen for more than a you know an F word and a, a, a lewd remark, um, it, it's something as pointless as this. Um, I mean, you could almost lump uh, Zach Hamilton in there as well, although that storyline was a bit more interesting. But really, we could have arguably done without that as well this season. And think of all all that time we, we spent with those two storylines and, and what they could have filled that with 
Otherwise, I mean, maybe it smacks of the writers not having enough ideas to, to fill an entire season that they had to pad it. They could have yeah. asked us. But, but we would have written a few yeah. a few episodes for them for free. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and guess what? They probably would have been a lot better. A lot, you better. know. And, and and and, but isn't that just a sign of how bad things got? That when you're sitting there and you're trying desperately to think of something from Azuka to do, like it shouldn't be that hard. No. You know, I mean, when when and when a character becomes expend, see that's when a character to me becomes expendable. Whenever you don't have anything them for them to do, here's an idea: they get killed Kill or they leave <laughs> the show. I mean, it it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But at some point, you've got to get rid of the dead wood to make sure that the rest of the show isn't being pulled down by it. Yeah, mm-hmm. they could have had a kinky sex accident, something. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, autoerotic <laughs> asphyxiation for. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, son. Just say that again. Yeah, I thought if they would would have uh, gotten rid of uh, of um, Masuka by a kinky sex accident, that would have been fun. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would have been appropriate. It would have been hilarious. It would have been a great way to go out. Um, <laughs> let, let me let me introduce uh, another caller uh, who you may have heard in the background. Then it's Diana from Alberta. Hi, Diana. Hi there. Well, is, is it? <laughs> Diana or Diana? Yeah, you are the only person in the world I've ever heard pronounced that as Diana. <laughs> no, I, I lived down the street with a girl named Diana, so that's why I'm all confused. Yeah, no, Diana. Yeah, rhymes with yeah. banana. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I was. I don't understand why the show dropped all links to all their past history. They've got these great characters we all love, like. You know, Batista and Masuka, those were the ones, like Sandra said, that should have been taking Dexter down or at least yeah. been on its tail. Not chasing Hannah mm-hmm. and Dexter's sort of a side story in the chase after Hannah. Right, they dropped everybody we could have rooted for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. Well, to be fair, guys, one no, thing I was going to say, though, is... So I, I was going to say one one thing I was going to say is that if you look at the uh, history of the you know the Miami Metro the, except for Deb the majority of them really just sucks so for them to suddenly get good would have felt pretty much fake anyway. Mm. <laughs> thing is, I think for Batista he, he had it in the palm of his hand when he inherited all that stuff from Laguerta, had all her files. They I think I said on the podcast last week or the week before I think they had the building blocks of what could have been a really great and compelling final season. Um, but they just opted to go in a completely did different you, direction. Did you hear what... Um, I was reading some interviews with Sarah Colleton uh, and Scott Buck, who I will eventually get to eviscerate shortly. Um, <laughs> but I, I heard in an in a, in a interview with Sarah Colleton, she, she said that the, um, the storyline... Uh, they didn't want to do that, the storyline where the one that we're talking about because it's been done before uh, in season two and had been brought back up again last season. And she said she thought it would have been, I believe it was, I think, predictable and unsatisfying is what is what I thought she said. If it wasn't those words, it w- was very similar and it basically meant the same thing. <laughs> so, I mean... It, I personally, you know, thought that it was uh, the wrong decision. And and did anybody uh, read about Claude Phillips and what he uh, oh, yeah. pre- what his idea oh, for the end of the series was going to be? Not yeah. that much better, though. 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm, to, to be fair to what the show did give us, Clyde's idea was just more of a, like, the, the stinger. It really wasn't his idea for the grand scheme of, like, a final yeah. arc. It was really just, like, here's what the last scene would have been. But, like Sandra said, uh, it, that kind of made me shake my head, too. Like, come on, Clyde. I was calling you my boy for so long. Don't, don't embarrass me like this. It was what it essentially amounted to almost kind of in a way, but almost kind of amounted to like a dream sequence. Like, oh, it was all in Dexter's head. Now, I suppose it all really did happen, but the idea was it was Dexter's life flashing before his eyes yeah. as he was being executed or something. And uh, yeah, I didn't know if I liked that. And yeah, you know, good luck with Showtime bringing in every single person Dexter's ever killed on the series. <laughs> I mean, it seemed like yeah. I was excited to see Sylvia Prado. It's so how infrequent <laughs> they bring back old people. But man, Sylvia Prado looking good, right? Yeah. Am I am I wrong? <laughs> yeah, I didn't even recognize her at first. I was thinking, who's that? And then it just clicked. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd seen it spoiled on Twitter, unfortunately. But I'm um, not that oh. it was a biggie. It could have been anybody, couldn't it? Mm-hmm. Didn't really matter who it was. Didn't do anything for the for the plot. No, just, no. Just an Easter egg for us. And if and if they were going to bring back an old character for nostalgia's sake, then there, are, like, like we say, there are plenty of fan favourites they could have brought back for a, for a scene Dukes? or two. Who? Dukes. <laughs> oh, joke! Oh, absolutely. I thought you were being how, sarcastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know who I actually always kind of felt bad for? Anton, Deb's season three boyfriend. Like, remember, <laughs> yeah. Deb cheats on him. And then he, and then she tells him like, get out of here. Like he was willing to like work it through. Like, hey girl, that's all right. And she's like, leave. And then he does, and you never see her again. Yeah. Do you remember that after Lundy got shot? Yeah, he got shortchanged, didn't he? Yeah, I'm like, oh bro, you know, he was cool. What's going on? And he <laughs> lost half the skin on his yeah, back. He, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for nothing. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For that, it's like, dude, I just, I just got, I just got tortured for you. So yeah. uh, <laughs> the least thing you can do is not cheat on me and. Make it apparent yeah. you don't want me at all. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, can, I, can I talk a little bit about Scott Buck? By all means, go for it. I'd like, I'd like, I'd like. Okay, all right. Oh, my, I'm like wringing my hands and and rubbing them together. I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, all right. So here, here's what I was. The, the last couple of days, I've been I've been sitting around and I'm just you know thinking about the show a little bit and. And I think this has kind of been simmering in my mind for a while, and I and I knew like something was irritating me about Buck for a long time, and obviously you know season six was was the start of it, but I don't know that I could really pinpoint exactly what what really pissed me off, and then it just kind of hit me just just yesterday, and I realized I, I finally knew what it was. Scott Buck is extremely pretentious, right there. Oh, Scott Buck. Decided it's uh, when he got uh, jumped uh, to the head of the line as as the showrunner that uh, we're not going to worry about compelling and tight storylines. No, 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 no. What we're going to do is we're going to focus on uh, philosophical ruminations. Uh, they're going to become more important than creating a really fun and engaging and really gripping story. And if you look at it, the last three seasons are filled to the brim <laughs> with all of that. There are there is more like they, they tried he tried to get in way too deep psychologically he tried to add on all these uh, religious uh, you know meta meta ideas and and if you just sit in there and you're looking back over the last three years specifically six season six and, and season this season but even last season 
there was just there was just more of an attempt to try to 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 inject that into the story than coming up with a really great villain, uh, you know, just really great tension all season long, a really compelling story, and he he's responsible for two the two worst seasons that Dexter has ever had are because Scott, uh, Scott Buck was the showrunner. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, well, the show is always, I believe, operated under uh, like some a plot-driven story arc rather than character-driven stuff. You uh, talked about that much earlier. But they always start with theme. I think even listening to the wrap-up podcast, you might hear they say, like, well, what's the theme of this episode? What's the theme of this season? And I think yeah, that's I mean, where the problem goes. If you're trying to get, yeah, if you're trying to get something to fit a theme, then you're going to have to bend the characters to d- do whatever you want to make the whatever point you ha- have to say about that thing. And that's just that's no way to tell a story, unless you're telling a story to children and you want to give some moral thing. Like, you know, what was season six's ultimate moral? Like, hey, religion's Religion. okay for some people, but not Dexter. You know, I don't, I don't need you to tell me that. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, well, well think, we got that in, in season five. Go ahead. Go ahead. Mm, I, was, I was just thinking about those seasons you're talking about. Obviously, season five was um, Chip Johansson, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah. A one season wonder, if if wonder is is the word. <laughs> uh, it, well, probably a wondering that we wonder how we got the job. <laughs> but um, I think I think those seasons, looking back, they just they had their moments, but that's probably all that. There were. There weren't the the season long sort of compelling, uh, engrossing season long arcs that we had in season one, season two, season three. Dare I say? Although you know, it wasn't my favourite season, but um, you know, by comparison, it was it was mm. pretty good. Uh, and of course, season four, which had that fantastic Trinity storyline. Although I, I I do mention season four with a caveat in that I do remember it had its weaker. Episodes, but the overall arc of Trinity was tremendous, um, and, and we've been missing that. I think it, it's like you say, Mike. It's it's that has been sacrificed in favour of these sort of philosophical musings that you were talking about. Season yeah, four, yeah. I mean, I, I remember after. looking back. Sorry, <laughs> I think yeah, season in, four. It in, wasn't in, just uh, the, well, the super arc. It was the the actor of Trinity that that just brought it to life. Maybe season six wouldn't have well, been as bad if uh, they had another uh, great actor for the villain. That's true. Yeah, that's Edward James almost yeah. Edward James almost could have been great. I mean, had he been given given more stuff to do than just like you know hang around in the shadows and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Tom Hanks Jr. He just doesn't cut the mustard, you know. Yeah. He Doesn't he looks... look like Woody from Toy Story? Like he looks like <laughs> his dad in Toy Story. And he acts Woody. Yeah. 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 Well, that, yeah, that didn't help uh, anything. No, I mean, look. If you look at seasons one through four, I think you can easily look at it like like there's a, a narrative thread, a strong thread that runs from episode one to episode twelve, and then pretty much everybody else that really had any importance in the show, and whether it was Batista, uh, Deb, Mizuka, anybody, almost all the threads interwove and tied in with that main thread for the season. And that's what held, made it, helped make it strong. You've got to think of it like a rope, you know? Like if there's enough threads and they all tie together to create a strong rope. 
the problem was is the last the last several seasons most of the characters had had um, threads and plot lines that that didn't tie into the main narrative whatsoever so therefore mm-hmm. you have a you have a pretty weak rope and it breaks if you just pull on it just a little bit and that's that's the best way I can kind of get an analogy to describe uh, the difference between say the first four seasons and you know the, the the last you know three or four seasons. Yeah, it was like a compilation of short stories, not a a story that combined all the stories. Yeah, even this last season, it, it, you're definitely right. It was split up into th- essentially three acts. I mean, the first one being oh Deb is upset, and the second one was like the Zach Hamilton saga, and then finally the last one was uh, you know the last four episodes were all about brain surgeon drama again. It was like three separate things that didn't really gel together. You could see like the stitching of where these stories are put together. It mm-hmm. de- doesn't look pretty. <laughs> it's it's yeah. bad. I mean, when you consider there's a room full of writers, is it a case of too many cooks? But then look at the number of shows that do succeed with a writer's room. So it is possible. And, and Dexter used to be able to do it. But like Clyde Phillips pointed out, because I think someone came out and, and asked him outright, it was on that Reddit chat wasn't mm-hmm. it and they said why is season 8 so crap yeah. <laughs> or, or did it, it, no was it was it why is season yeah. 8 so crap or why is it yeah. crap since you left and, and he said and he said I'm uh, not going to answer that didn't he say I'm not going to answer that or something he, he pretty he pretty much yeah. inferred that the show has more or less sucked since he left um, but wouldn't outright say it um, I, but the phrase he used was the show broke the code with the audience I'm not entirely sure what he means by that what code that I had with Dexter, but uh, that I think that's what he said. Yeah, he did, For- and, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I wasn't quite sure exactly what he meant by that. Uh, does anyone else have any idea? I mean, if he just means well, it just started I, sucking, I I agree, but well, I think maybe maybe I don't know if it, it's maybe it's hard to find an exact thing, but uh, maybe what he was trying to say was maybe they broke maybe they, maybe the they, the writers broke the code uh, and the code meaning. Uh, altered what made what the aspects and the ingredients that made the show really great when he started, you know, the, you know, in season one and and, and when he left, uh, whatever made the show great. And I'm sure I would have to think that it's, you know, Clyde Phillips is as smart as he seems to be. Um, would probably probably made sure that everybody knew the the aspects of the show that really were making that it successful the things that they were doing that were really working and i feel like maybe after he left skip johansson and of course to a larger extent uh, scott buck maybe just thought they wanted to add add their own ingredients into the show uh to maybe differentiate and maybe add their own flavor and ended up just well like you said travis it's sucking yeah I remember reading somewhere, and I hope somebody else can verify this for me. Or uh, it was a video with 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 Chip during season five. He he was talking about how he came on board, like he wasn't aware of the show, but how he, he they were asked the question was like, how'd you know that you wanted to be a part of such a great show like Dexter? And he was like, I didn't know about it, but as soon as my daughter found out, she was in love with it. He said he had a teenage daughter and she loved Dexter, <laughs> and I think that is a sure sign. Like, oh, okay, so maybe that's why we started sucking. Because this dude was trying to please his teenage daughter. Because hey, we haven't talked about it in a while, but we all Lumen. She was like the proto Hannah, and I. It's season five. In you know, uh, in retrospect, now as the pain fades away, as years go on, season five doesn't seem so bad. 
but I don't. I will never forget. <laughs> I will never forget well, when, she, when Showtime was rerunning season five or the past seasons before the show came on, and I tuned into like episode three or something of season five, and it was a scene between Dexter and Deborah, and I was like, oh, maybe this isn't so bad. And then it went to Quinn talking to Liddy or something. I was like, oh no, this is kind of bad. This kind of hammy over the top. Yeah, Liddy's, time yeah. time heals all wounds, they say, don't they? And yeah, there's the, a few the, years between now and season five to forget. I know. Well, well just think. I'm sorry, go on. No, I was just gonna say, it's funny is is you look back in the last four seasons, the two strongest there were were season five and season seven. <laughs> I mean, really? Yeah. It's the two strongest seasons we've got in the last four years is season five and season seven. I'll admit so, that. Yeah. 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 And yeah. Season five wasn't wasn't great. Although to be fair, it was it did have a hard act to follow. Yeah. Well, it. I remember my my feedback of season five before anybody calls me on my bullshit. My my feedback was pretty positive for most of season five, but then as soon as Lumen and Dexter banged, that's when they broke my code. That's when I was like, all right, this is not about what I thought it was about anymore. <laughs> and uh, see, see, yeah. yeah, yeah. If you'd known yeah, what was to come five, on the kill yeah. table, I think you would have been a bit more forgiving. I, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because season five really suffers from the the same problem. Uh, bat in terms of the bad guy, actually, well, I mean, it's not as bad because I think Saxon really got shortchanged big time. But uh, but Jordan Chase, I think our biggest complaint with Chase was always that by the time he really flexed his muscle and really kind of became the bad guy, he maybe should have been a lot earlier. Um, the season was pretty much over, a lot like Saxon this year. And then also, with with him, we never really got to see his backstory enough to like see what made him become who he was. We just didn't get enough of his character and uh, what it, you know what it really meant, you know, why he did what he did, you know. So I think we were all felt a little. And then of course we also had the. Um, the dropped uh, Santa Morta storyline and the oh, officer yeah. Marzone, that mm. she kind of disappeared. Mm. And I'm, that to me, those are my biggest. That see, that's when I say like when details and storylines just started getting dropped. It was season five that started it all. It's when once people served their purpose, uh, their storyline did what they needed it to do. They just kind of evaporated. Yeah, they, you know, they you didn't know even that, serve a purpose or or really did something. Some, sometimes the people just disappeared in the middle of something that could have uh, followed up to some or could have led to something important, yeah. and then they just dropped it. Yeah, it started the rot, and and you know what that smacks of to me? Two things: it smacks of um, a, a showrunner who doesn't care, and the writers treating us like idiots that will yeah. just let things like that go when we've been invested for four years in a show that was really great, and suddenly they, it was the start of the rot. And, and it, the show never yeah. really recovered, not not fully. Nope. Not really, no. And and you know, if you think about it too, you know, you look at the first four seasons, and and you know, every every year before the new season starts, well, I guess this is the last year, but every year before a season would start, I would go back and I would watch the entire series up up to the current new season. So I've watched, you know, the first four seasons, uh, probably what f- about four or five times now. And as far as I can remember, the writing, the storytelling was so tight. I mean, 
the the details and the and those you didn't see those dropped plot lines and the threads and characters just up and disappearing. If mm-hmm. they disappeared, it was because probably because they were killed or something. Or if they left, it was because they were given a really concrete, uh, you know, storyline out of the show. So, you know, we, we got. Trying, yeah. I think they were trying too hard to surprise us. The Rita death surprised everybody. Nobody expected it. Um, and they thought they were being super clever with the Geller, so they had to throw in <laughs> all these red herrings so that because we watch things and we try and decode what's happening, um, they wanted to throw us off the path. So we'll throw in some Santa Muerta killings, and we'll throw in this and throw in that, and you won't see the big ending. And they're just not as good at writing it. It didn't. It doesn't have to be so forced. I think it's a shame. I mean, Clive Phillips mentioned about the how different the writing team is over the last few seasons and since he left. But that said, there, there are still quite a few. Were still quite a few people there this year who were involved during the Phillips era, like Scott Reynolds. He was involved from season one as a, albeit as a, a story editor. But you've got Tim Schlappman there. Um, who else? Was, oh, I'm trying to think. Why who else was, Sarah um, Carlton's been on since Sarah Carlton, yeah, the consistency. Wendy West was involved, I think, from season three, and and she's written some some fan, some fantastic stuff for the show. Not least, and I mention this every time when I mention her name, writing an episode. She wrote Hungry Man, which remains one of my favourite episodes ever. So I got to you know, they've got that. the talent. They've got the talent there. Yeah, but sometimes you you do have the feeling that they didn't uh, talk to each other. Because the characters would behave in one one way uh, in in one episode, and the next episode they would say something completely opposite, and it just didn't match. Yeah, an inconsistency became a feature yeah. of the show again since Clyde Phillips, a feature of the show that we've um, we've criticised it for almost every week on the podcast. It's such a shame. It, it feels and bad. And you always try to stay so positive. I'm so sorry. I, for I do try. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, uh, Mike, were you going to say something? Mike? Is he there? He probably he just got a beer. <laughs> or maybe, oh. his, maybe his link dropped while he was mid-sentence. Uh, can you hear me now? Yep, yep, far away. Okay, oh, sorry, okay. Um, yeah, I think that... Um, I think that in a way, and and I'm, tell me, Gareth, how long has Scott Buck been with the show? I'm not really sure if I if I know that. I don't know that answer. Ooh, I think was... it's since season two, right? Season okay, since season two. So I don't know. I mean, I could be completely wrong, but I I just get this feeling like Scott Buck has been trying to. He's you know been trying to uh, live up to or or move under. Out of Claude Phillips' shadow as as showrunner since he he took over, because um, it, it, like like you were saying, Deanna, I, I think that um, you're right. They they've really tried to give us those big surprises, uh, and they haven't worked out. And that also extends to this year because we all called we all call bullshit whenever um, whenever you know we thought they, when they try to make it out to be that the brain surgeon was killed, and we all you know most people just didn't believe it because. We've seen this before, and they and they they've really um, 
done a terrible job over the last two or three years specifically uh, because they t- they telegraph everything that they're going to do. They so telegraph everything. Predictable, right? And if the ending, we all knew it had to end sort of either A, Dexter gets caught, or B, Dexter gets away with it, or I guess C, he dies. So we all kind of know what the inevitable ending is going to be. And it doesn't have to be a surprise. Getting there could have been an incredible journey, even if you know what the ending is going to be. Getting there is all the fun, right? And this season was not. No, no. Look, we all know, we all know pretty much how Breaking Bad is probably going to end, roughly. I mean, we have, uh, we have, there's only a couple of options, but even going in, into this season, we all had a pretty good idea, like, like, you know, I mean, I just want to say spoiler in case there are people out there that haven't seen it and stuff. Um, yeah, but yeah, you know, I think we should we try and avoid, certain... sorry, Mike, if we just try yeah. and avoid okay. uh, specific yeah. spoilers, yep, cheers. Okay, yeah. So we, but some, some things happened this season that we all kind of assumed at some point would, would happen. And, you know, that doesn't, because we knew maybe that would happen at some point, that doesn't mean that you don't do it. It just means you do it well. And if you do it well enough, then it, it all means something. It all really adds to the overall story that they're telling. So if, if, if you end up getting to the end of the, when Breaking Bad does end, and if it ends, you know, in a way that we probably, maybe people thought that it was going to end, as long as it's done at the very top, the, the highest quality that, that a show can be made, and let's face it, I think we can all agree that it's, it's pretty much running on all cylinders as smoothly as it ever has. Yeah. Um, what we're seeing is that, look, it's great, and it's great, and you don't have to, you know, throw out super, you know, try to be all super clever and make all these twists and stuff. And especially if the twists don't work or if they don't make sense, uh, sadly, that's when you get, uh, like, you know, that's when you get uh, people like us, like fans, who stare at the screen and say, am I seeing what I, what I think I'm seeing? Are you really trying to, to, to do this to me? I went to the church that night that you killed Travis Marshall to tell you that I'm in love with you. <laughs> I don't know, it's weird and it's gross and it's fucked up. <laughs> this is the Dissecting Dexter Podcast. You're a serial killer and I'm more fucked up than you are. <laughs> When Deborah died, I was like, "Yeah, all right." And the end was really crappy. They they just didn't get me to to feel anything and and to take it for real. Yeah, what a way to go—a blood clot on Deborah, like man, <laughs> <laughs> not even going out like a champion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it adds adds to the tragedy, doesn't it? And and I, they were obviously pushing that tragedy angle. It um, didn't seem a little ham-fisted or seemed a little wonky. The, the, the doctor was, like, super positive. Like, hey, you know what? She's going to be all right, man. She's going to live forever. And then, like, two scenes later, like, oh, yeah, by the way, she had a stroke. Yeah. Like, like yeah. that just came from, like, left field. Honestly, that little speech the doctor gave was um, almost foreshadowing what, what was to come because she she was – to me, she came across a bit non-committal in terms of saying, "Yep, she's going to be fine. No worries at all. Give it a couple of weeks, and she'll be fighting fit." She said, "I think her words were, 'I'm optimistic.'" Yeah, yeah like a flashing sign. 
dead, dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was kind of, yeah, kind of non-committal. Did you talk about how uh, Dexter got out of the hurricane alive? No, Super we didn't. Powers or I don't know. It's, it's just not logical. Um, we talked about the the bad special effects that the, <laughs> the the sky was so dramatic and it looked like you know it looked like hell on earth and then. It, uh, and there he is, um, dropping Deb overboard, and and the sea is is flat as a pancake. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, um, I think when he was in the hospital, you could see the palm trees through the window in the background, and they were sort of leant over like there was a gale blowing out there. Yeah. Um, but the sea was really calm. And yeah. again, that was something else that that <laughs> took away from the drama of what should have been a really impactful moment. It, it did yeah, reduce. Yeah, but, but with, with the waves, we wouldn't have seen. Deborah uh, going underwater for so long. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Do human bodies sink? Don't they float? No, they come back up. <laughs> so they sink at first, and they come, I've never murdered a yeah. person, but uh, they float up and then they come <laughs> back up. Not that you'll admit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not on him. I mean, I figured it would sink, but uh, yeah, because I know there's all kinds of gases and stuff inside the body that would cause them to float. But I guess. Yeah. But that develops after some time in the water. Yeah, it would All bloat. the bodies I dumped, they came back up again. <laughs> Don't you hate that? <laughs> yeah, but I'm yeah, but I, I'm surprised he. I don't know how he made it out alive. I mean, they can say all they want about a, uh, a life preserver jacket or some kind of life boat or a, a boat or a you know that that blows up or something. But I mean, like even if he did have a jacket and uh, and some kind of blow up boat or something for uh, an emergency or whatever. boat in a hurricane. <laughs> yeah, like, 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 okay, well, gee, that's going to really make a huge difference, thanks. Um, I'm like, yeah. And then I think they even said on the wrap-up podcast or some, maybe an article I read where they're like, yeah, well, don't think too hard about how we survived. Oh, no. Like, yeah, yeah. I read yeah. The motto <laughs> of, of this uh, season, don't think too hard. Yeah. <laughs> thanks. Yeah, and that's and and that's crap, isn't it? Because shows should be able to stand up to scrutiny. They should be. They should be as watertight as possible, shouldn't they? We yeah, shouldn't. It shouldn't be this easy. It shouldn't be this easy for yeah. us to to nitpick and and find the inconsistencies and the plot holes. Breaking Bad, they write themselves into a corner and then uh, find a creative way out of there. Yeah. And that's what they don't do on Dexter. They don't even try to write themselves into a corner. They always opt for the easy way out. No passwords. <laughs> yeah, <sighs> it's funny. It's funny you say that because actually, and um, Travis, I know you've heard the wrap up podcast this week. I'm sure Scott Buck at one point said how they love writing themselves into a corner <laughs> on the show. I thought, no, you don't. <laughs> or if you do, you take a stupid way out. <laughs> I didn't see any corners. No, no. It's it's funny because if you look at this season, you can almost say they knew where they had to start or they chose where they wanted to start the the season. And they're like, okay, this is where we're going to start. This is where we want to end up. All right, let's just write whatever we need to get to the end. That's what it felt like, literally. It just felt like, let's just write whatever we need to write to get to the end. Mm. You know? It didn't feel like there was... It, you know, I mean, I'm sure Gareth or, or well, okay, whether you're talking about American football, we're talking about football that most people know the world over. Um, if you see a player out in the field and you know they're not given 100, percent you're mad, and they shouldn't be out in the field, and they should be they should be working 
you know, 100, 110% every time they're out there. Well, yeah. to me, it just felt like the Raiders were operating on about 70 to 75% this year, maybe. And that's probably being really optimistic in the end mm. right there. Yeah. Oh, and another thing, uh, just linking with that, Scott Buck said on the wrap-up that um, he said we've been planning this ending for two years. Well, that just adds insult to injury, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we know that they had an end date set two years back. Uh, so yes, they have been planning it for two years. So why have they had to? Why, Nikki? Why waste time on on rubbish like that that just has no bearing, yeah. no impact on the greater story? Just for the sake of giving Masuka something a bit more, a bit more to do. Um, there's well, there's no why? excuse for filler. Yeah, I was, was going to ask, why bother to get rid of Hannah in, in Season 7 if she was supposedly going to have such a great like deal uh, to do in Season 8 if they were really planning this for you know the sun to go away with her? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, why even bother getting rid of her? I don't know. Yeah. Hey, well, yeah uh-huh. Go ahead. Go ahead, Gary. I, I was just going to say, with Hannah, she, she was so forced on us. They so wanted us to like her. And, and that was a point you... you have made a lot this season, Travis, and you're right. She's been rammed down our throats. Like, you will like her, <laughs> because we tell you to. Yet, um, and, and, and I had this thought, and, and I think someone sent some feedback in after the finale as well, to the same effect, that the writers aren't giving us enough credit for our affection for Deborah, in yeah. that we haven't forgiven Hannah for, for trying to kill her. And so our allegiance is with, with Deb, and so Hannah comes back on the scene and we're meant to be grateful and, and rooting for her and Dexter. I mean, I'm sure we all want Dexter to be happy or succeed or, you know, whatever um, goal, you, whatever positive goal you want for him. Um, but but him and Hannah, it just made it so hard for us to root for him. Although we felt in principle we should, it was, in practice, it was almost impossible to. Not even Dexter could make up his mind if he if he was going for Hannah or for Deborah. Um, he went with Hannah and then he went back to Deborah and then he went back to Hannah and then he went back to Deborah. Just in the last two episodes, about four or five times back and forth. Yeah, and he he made no. his choice last year, didn't he? He chose Deb uh, over Hannah last year, and that was in a season when he was professing his love for Hannah, and still he chose Deb. Yep. It's inconsistent yeah, it was for bad. the character. And it all feels almost like a, a, a rewrite of the Pinocchio story. The wooden boy becoming a real boy. And um, But I, I, I didn't really get the part where Geppetto dies. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. I always thought... Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Travis. Uh, I was just going to expound on the Pinocchio analogy. I, I'm guessing Vogel... No, well, who would be Geppetto? Would be Harry. The Blue Fairy would be Hannah. Vogel. No, D- Harry oh. would be Jiminy Cricket. Okay. Geppetto <laughs> would be Vogel. Uh, the Blue Fairy would have to be Hannah, I guess, right? <laughs> okay. But in the Pinocchio story, Pinocchio became a, a true, a uh, real boy by like being honest and making sacrifices on behalf of his father, and Dexter became a real boy by hooking up with Hannah McKay and and neglecting his child? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Like, a, like a real human man. <laughs> Sorry, you're just saying there about neglecting his child. Sarah Collison pissed me off in this, this interview that we've already 
talked about. Um, she uh, was talking about Dexter, and, and I think her line was, she said, Dexter's been an exemplary dad. Oh, exemplary? Yeah. <laughs> exemplary of exemplary. what? Exemplary. <laughs> this is a new Exemplary of never being around. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, what show has she been watching? I, I know this is... This, this, is, is, this is Dexter. <laughs> so, sorry, this, this is something uh, Matt Battles was talking about on... Um, on the Facebook page that actually before he was arguing that before Rita died Dexter was doing quite a decent job of a father figure for Astor and Cody and, and Harrison to an extent alright he was still going out at all hours but um, he was spending time with them um, and I, I suppose they, the writers may argue Dexter's continued to spend time with Harrison they just haven't felt it necessary to, to show it very much um, but that still doesn't put him in the exemplary category by uh, by any stretch of the imagination, Matt is actually on the call, and I've I've invited him to um, unmute himself, but I guess he's away from the keyboard, maybe. Uh, and speaking of which, Deanna's had to leave us; she's had to go and pick up her kids from school. So thanks to Deanna for joining us. Yeah, but Dexter was a, a good dad in season um, season four. He even had a car crash um, because he didn't sleep any night, always taking care of Harrison. He was a good dad then, but that got lost on the way somewhere. Yeah, that's true. Well, it's, it's because they had to, sh- you know, back then they they had to show Dexter's home life, you know, so therefore we had to see him interacting with, with Astor and Cody and, and, of course, Harrison. And you're, you know, you're right, Gareth, I think um, that would be the excuse that the writers do give is, look, yeah, he is a good father, he's just not showing... Or we're not showing him, you know, all the time interacting with Harrison. But that's the thing. You have to show us this stuff. I mean, if you want to say that Dexter's been a good father, great. Well, you know what? Here's an idea. Show us him being a good father. Because to you and me and Travis and everybody else that watches the show, it looks like that. It looks like Dexter goes into Miami Metro. He spends about 15 minutes in his office, and then he leaves, <laughs> and he's never back all day because, of course, he never works. And then, you know, and then he goes out and he kills somebody, and then he's out to all, an hour, all hours of the night uh, cutting them up and dropping them in the ocean just long enough to get home at midnight to look in and see Harrison and give him a kiss on the cheek. I mean, that pretty much is what I consider Dexter in the last three or four seasons, about the last three or four seasons uh, as a father. Yes, and that was another corner um, that they avoided because it would have been interesting to find a solution to that problem. Single father with three uh, children and uh, trying to follow his hobby, serial killer style. And um, they, they never really addressed that. They, they opted for the easy way out with a nanny that was working all around the clock. And I don't know how he even paid for that. Mm-hmm. He had that fancy apartment and he had a boat and he had a 24-hour nanny. And that and with he, the he job had, where you just have to have to work for like as you said fifteen minutes. Maybe he, he had two apartments. <laughs> yeah, you and you and those jewels, Gareth. Oh. Man, I forgot I forgot all about them. Every week you're always talking about them. <laughs> Chekhov's jewels. Well, you know, I'm glad. Actually, no, I'm glad. I'm glad you brought them up because that's just another another big thing about this season. Those jewels are men- mentioned explicitly, and I know they're not a big deal, obviously, but again. We never did find out what happened to them. It's not a big deal, I understand, but just 
what happened to the jewels because they were a factor enough in the storyline that Deb was, you know, you know, sleeping with that scumbag and, you know, to get these things. And then ultimately when Al Sapo is killed, you know, we all, you know, we all figured that at some point we were going to find out that uh, Elway took the jewels or Deb had them or whatever. But again, it's just another one of those dropped little details, one of those dropped plot points that never got a resolution because they either didn't have time or they just didn't feel like they needed to, you know? Yeah, many people didn't believe that she really killed El Sapo. Yeah, I think I think I, didn't. I think she I think she must have done because there was no other yeah. explanation offered, and um, yeah, so I think the obvious answer was the, the the right one there. But those jewels, I mean, if she did kill him, she'd gone there to get the jewels. So if she murdered him, she wouldn't have just forgotten about the jewels because she'd taken a bit of a kicking. Yeah, she'd have picked but they, those up. They could have just mentioned that. Um, taking the time for for like five or ten seconds and mention that uh, here's your here's your reward for for the jewels something like that and we wouldn't have had to wonder all season long what happened to them. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've we've got someone else wanting to join the call, standing waiting in the wings very patiently. Matt Battles from London. Hi, Matt. Hey Gareth, hey everyone else, finally. Hello. <laughs> Glad you could join us. I think we've just hey, kind of we've just kind of been through uh, your your latest um, pet peeve about the show about yeah, I heard. Dexter I've been the listening Daddy for the like the whole hour, and I've been sat waiting for you to introduce me. I didn't hear you, and then I think <laughs> technical difficulties is going to be the mantra for the show because I had the wrong mic checked. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, I just want to get on a few points about these whole evaporated storylines. Uh, there's another one for this season that a lot of you haven't realised. This whole uh, Quinn and Miller race to be sergeant. Oh, Miller right. wins, and then you never fucking see her again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, she goes, I'm sergeant. Right, okay, my job is done. And then she beams up and goes wherever I don't know. Which I found a bit weird. You don't yeah. see her because she's working. Of course. <laughs> she's doing her job, yeah. Yeah, she's, a, she's actually working. <laughs> Maybe it's, she's maybe she's off as someone's own partner. It's possible. Yeah. I also agree with everything else that you guys have said. Um, I was just thinking, if we have to have this shitty ending that they've given us, I think I'd have just changed things around a little bit and had Dexter fake his death as he did and, you know, and actually go to Argentina and then find out that Deb was brain dead. And, of course, with him being dead, he can't go back and save her. And it'd be sort of bittersweet. Ooh... That's a little better. I do. I do like that actually. It's yeah. not the story I'd pick for myself, but if we have to have the shit they've given us, that's what I do with it. No. <laughs> they've probably got lumberjacks in Argentina too, so I mean, he could be set for a while. Oh. Yeah, I, I've spent on Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah, I've spent years wondering whether we'd ever see Dexter with a beard, and now I wish I hadn't thought of it. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, Matt, I have a. I have a question for you. Shoot. Um, as in, and it pertains to Hannah. Go for right, it. So, like, I realize, obviously, that, that whenever, um, you know, Dexter sent uh, Harrison off with Hannah, mm. and it, it, they showed the time they were going to still meet up. But my question is this. Okay, so now Hannah is in Argentina. What happens if uh, Hannah gets killed somehow? Or what if she gets apprehended uh, by the authorities. What, hap- what happens to Harrison? I have no idea. I'm assuming this is going to happen in a few years when Astor and Cody have grown up a bit. Maybe they could take him or he could go to Batista 
Or C.S. Lee could learn how to be a dad and take him. You know, yeah. <laughs> they were lining up. I think what they've done is very cleverly lined up a movie in seven years' time, which is going to address all of this. No, I'm kidding, of course. I'm taking the yeah. piss. Um, <laughs> I, I think it is ridiculous. And I would never have given Hannah to... Um, not given Hannah to Harrison. What am I talking about? I'd never give Harrison to Hannah. Um, I've been reviewing the last few episodes of Dexter. Um, and every time I keep mentioning, he's planning to skip off to Argentina with Hannah. Have I mentioned that she tried to kill his sister, by the way? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, been, it's been one of my bugbears all season. Mm. <laughs> that's that's and, frustrated me. And, and, and we were just talking just now about yeah. that we were expected to accept Hannah into our hearts, forgetting the writers forgetting how much we love Deb and that we, we've always sided with her. Yeah. And, and Hannah tried to kill her. So, I think I, I agree with the other point. I didn't give a shit when Deb died, which is a real shame, actually, because I would have oh. done at any other point in the season. Until this point, it was like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, right. You know, and plus there's like, those spoiler pictures banding around, and I got those, so... That, that didn't help anything, obviously. No. You know? I was like... And, I, I was wondering, because I saw it in a way that uh, her, she was sat up looking at Dexter, and I'm thinking, how the fuck can they get from that to that in two episodes? Deb would have to go and kill Asta, Cody, Harrison, and Hannah for Dexter to kill her. And I'm all the way through the episode, yeah. and I'm going, oh, right, fair enough. <laughs> so it kind of well, spoiled you know, that. I said, I was saying to, to Gareth and Travis earlier that, that you know, I I, I wish that if, if, if Saxon was going to kill Deb, he just would have killed her, rather than having a blood clot end her life. It, you know, Saxon didn't need, he may have shot her, but it was complications from surgery that True. were, you know, that killed her. It wasn't even like... You know, Dexter going, you killed Deb. Like, no, actually, I just shot Deb. A blood clot killed her. Sorry. Yeah. You know. Or, like, you know, if you're going to do that, leave her brain dead. You know, don't half kill her and then kill her properly. Either go wholeheartedly the first time or don't do it at all. That's my yeah. point. I was kind of excited to see uh, Saxon kill her with a fork. That was a little bit of a letdown. That whole scene was filmed really weird. Do you remember it was like Dexter and Saxon were about to fight, and then suddenly from out of nowhere, uh, you know, Batista's like, oh, you're under arrest. And then they just escort him away. No one even acknowledges Dexter was in the room. But what I love yeah. is that Dexter's just stood there going, right, uh, what do I do with my fucking fork? I'll just put it on a chair. <laughs> oh, did Dexter have the fork? I'm sorry. What did, yeah, what did, Saxon what did had Saxon, a gun. Saxon had his oh. little scalpel and a gun. Oh, the scalpel maybe is what I. Okay, yeah. My apologies. <laughs> Yeah, Dex is like. Versus fork. Uh, sounds like a really bad B movie. But it, it was just, <laughs> I mean, uh, that the police work done by Batista, whom I really like, was just disappointing. Him just arresting Saxon like that and escorting him away without calling him back up or anything to say, all right, goodbye. And then also we could talk about Dexter kills Saxon on videotape or whatever, and yeah. then it's just like, oh, you just murdered this guy. All right, have a good afternoon, Dexter. Like he just <laughs> yeah. gets to leave. Does anyone else like? watch that video of Dexter killing Saxon and it just looks so fake. Like, he, he sort of yeah. gets a thing, he pulls it out and goes straight in the neck and then very calmly pushes the button. Yeah. yeah. Like a guy who yeah. killed somebody in a frenzy. Yeah. When, when that all, happened, all... I, I think it was kind of acknowledged in, in the scene, wasn't it? Because Quinn turns slowly and looks at him as if to say, really? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think... I, think I, I wonder if Batista calmed down a little bit. You know, Quinn just look, and Dex is like, 
you know, or something. <laughs> not not exactly, but Quinn would rather look as if to say, you did that, and Dexter's like, <laughs> you know, it's a shame there's no video in this, but there's a look he could have given, you know, yeah. and Quinn would have just got it, but not said anything. Well, I think I think partly as well, they, they probably acknowledge Dexter wanting to avenge his sister, and yeah. maybe as, as close as Quinn and Batista are to Deb as well, maybe they, a little bit of them thought, good on you, mate. Yeah. And you save the taxpayer would, millions. Yeah, and it wouldn't be uncommon for Quinn to take the law in his own hands. Let's be no. fair, he shot that guy in the face last year. Yeah. Well, I think the look was meant to... The look by Quinn, I think, was um, a way of... I think that it was almost like it was an affirmation to Quinn that what, what he had suspected for, well, since season five, whenever he was trying to, to investigate Dexter, which was <laughs> that he didn't... For a long time, he hasn't believed that the sunny disposition that Dexter um, displays for everyone else, um, yeah. that it's not fully there. There's a darker uh, Dexter Morgan underneath, and I think that that look was almost an affirmation, like, yeah, okay, I was right. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And actually, that interview that we keep going on about with Scott Buck and I think Colleton or not, they were like, yeah, Quinn never, ever suspected Dexter of being a serial killer. He just thought he was dark. Bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they had those photos, didn't they? Of, yeah. Of him dumping something. I, I actually have a friend, Will, who was like, I'm sorry, is everyone in Miami fucking stupid? I mean, you've got Dexter in a boat dumping trash cans overboard. Does nobody go, hmm, this looks familiar? Oh, didn't Dokes do this two years ago? Who was like a big serial killer. Why is Dexter doing this? Yeah. yeah. You know, nobody seems to go. You know, Quinn goes, Liddy goes, maybe it's a body. And Quinn doesn't go, hmm, this sounds familiar. Nobody ever seems to put two and two together and come up with the right answers. Yeah. I mean, they they may defend Quinn and say, well, he, he wasn't in Miami PD he was season in Miami. two, but it would have been the talk of the town, wouldn't it? And I think yeah. it would go national. I mean, if you think yeah. about, like, American serial killers, yeah. I think they do uh, go wider than the actual state yeah. they're killing in. It I mean, would have been I global, wouldn't it? Something well, of that scale. Yeah. Vogel knew about it. Yes. Yeah. So Quinn would, even if he was living in New York, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't even think yeah. Quinn was living in New York. I think the story was he was working in um, burglaries or something like that. He was working in another department and he just yeah, had he gotten was, transferred. Yeah, he. I think he was working narcotics before. Yeah, that's, uh, that's it, yes. But he did live, according to this backstory that appeared this season, he did live in New York at some point but decided to leave, uh, which was the best thing he could have done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just want to, you know how you guys were talking about your... Uh, level of disappointment with the show from season four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I yep. was going to add another point to the thing that I think has ruined the show for me, and it's it's tiny and it seems inconsequential, but it makes a big difference, is a distinct lack of music. Like, there was a, a lot of songs from Dexter seasons one to four, like Asta's Birthday Party theme, Perfidia, mm-hmm. European Breaks, that are just shockingly absent in the latter seasons. And it just doesn't feel like the same old Dexter. Mm, there seems to have been a reduced number of themes. I did mm. pick up on Vogel's theme this season in the soundtrack and, and Hannah's, uh, and we occasionally got bits of, of Deb's theme. But, um, yeah, there's not been... It's, it's not not been as prevalent. I think you're right. And I, I've certainly missed the blood theme, which, is, as you know, is, is my favourite. Uh, and there was just a hint of it on the boat at the end. Yeah, Just a hint. I- yeah, I miss, personally, I miss Perfidia. You know that song that they play when Dexter was looking around? Oh, I, I can't remember his name, but Sam Witwers. Neil Perry's 
trailer, yeah. and it's like, I, I was missing that from the last few seasons. That there's that mm. tongue-in-cheekness that Dexter had that just wasn't there anymore. Well, that aspect of everything was kind of not there anymore. I mean, the tongue-in-cheek, the kind of wink to the camera, uh, the Latin-inspired, uh, the the music uh, that, yeah. that was really heavy into the show. We also had, uh, especially for seasons six, six through eight, definitely six through eight, a uh, very much uh, a huge drop-off in um, comedy, uh, whether it be one-liners from Azuka or just just comedic uh, slight comedic elements uh when the show they decided to make the show a lot darker uh it, it wasn't and, dark enough already yeah i know yeah exactly so we go darker but we don't have the uh a little bit of comedy every so often to kind of just give us a little dark chuckle you know a lot of the dexter's kind of funny dark comedic uh you know um internal monologues that he he uh was really great at uh, earlier in the, in the in the show. We didn't really get much of that anymore. It just it, if there was an internal monologue, any kind of internal dialogue, it was it's just stating the obvious. Yeah, it was stating the obvious. It wasn't like like a funny funny a funny uh, observation about whether it be yeah. humanity or just somebody around him. You know. Yeah, my favorite one from that is actually season seven uh, when they're in the church with uh, Travis's body. And there are, you know, Quinn, uh, Deb's got to go out and make a statement and she hesitates. And Dexter goes, she's not as comfortable lying to everyone else as I am. It's like, fucking duh. Yeah. He knew that. <laughs> we get it. <laughs> and I think that was my favorite. Internal monologue for, or internal dialogue for, for, for the sake of it, as opposed to having a purpose. Yeah, yeah. It's like Dexter, oh, a it's purpose. The, it's like Dexter <laughs> just got stupid. Yeah, he actually needs to think these things now instead of just actually knowing them. Again, treating well, in, insulting our intelligence really, not, not trusting yeah. us knowing the character so well that we can work out what he's thinking. I agree. <laughs> <It's> insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, Matt, uh, obviously, your, your disappointment with the season um, is, is obvious. But were there any um, positives coming out of the finale? That you could the finale. I, I enjoyed most of the finale, actually. And for a while, I was like, yeah, this is actually a, a decent finale. There's a lot of things stepping up. The, the Saxon thing was brilliant. Uh, there was some reflection. There was some nice flashbacks. It felt a little bit shoehorned in and a little bit desperate to be, look, it's still the same old Dexter. We're going to throw in everything we used to do to try and make it proper. Um, you know, But there were elements of it that I really liked. I just really hated the ending. I just thought if you you're think- going to go out like that, you don't sit him on a table and just have him look out. You know, you do something better, surely. You know, it didn't go think- out with a bang, but a whimper. Do you think that, um, do you think if they would have, uh, revealed Saxon early in the season and made him into a foe worthy of, of, of Dexter's final big bad, that you feel like the season would have been a lot better if he would have been on a fight for the, his life, not just his life, but, but maybe even seeing people fall around him, people that he'd become close to, uh, I, like Batista, like Mizuka, like people Jamie. that he really cared for. Jamie would have been yeah. a great death. I would completely agree. And actually, I, I do wonder if what we've got... Because, you know, they kept saying they've been planning this for two years. What if Season 8 isn't actually what they were going for in the end? And Saxon was originally going to be Lewis? I, I just so. I had that thought as you were speaking just now, yeah. 
you know, yeah. what if that was going to be the role? Because I'm planning to do a sort of rewrite on the seasons. Uh, Me too. For yeah. a website and just sort of rewrite how I'd have done things, shifting a few things around and trying to make a few threads make sense. And one thing I would do is keep the whole uh, brain surgeon story, introduce it earlier, kind of do what they did with the, the stupid, uh, yeah, we've killed him, but haven't really, and you guys know it, but we'll pretend you don't, um, and then bring it back in at a later date. But, um, yeah, I'd have, I think it was meant for Lewis, really. They did say, um, it was Michael C. Hall in an interview with Kevin Pollock, I think it was, mm. uh, they were referring to him um, being executive producer and if he gets power of veto over storylines. And he said the only storyline he squashed was a proposed storyline for Lewis that he would become a copycat. Mm. See, um, a copycat? No, I wouldn't like mm. that. But they obviously had designs on on making Lewis a bigger character, and, and as we know, it was it was Josh Cook uh, having a job on Broadway that that pulled him away from the show. Maybe mm. if he hadn't got that gig, he would have hung around to do whatever storyline they'd chosen I, for him. I think if they'd done him as the brain surgeon, I think we'd be talking everything differently because we'd be here uh, from our season six, seven preparation, going, "We were right. We called it two years ago. How brilliant are they at laying storylines?" Who yeah. saw that actually coming? And yeah. it wouldn't yeah. be funny yeah. for, for Dexter to be killed by a killer of serial killers. Like yeah. he was once, because he, he fits the code of another killer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, th- I thought that the, the, that the whole storyline with Lewis, I remember feeling cheated when he was killed and I think looking back in a way I just wish they would have I wish that what would have happened was when Dexter told him to get out of town he actually just would have left. for a while yeah. and then we would have forgot about him and then of course if enough time passed by like it did that that you know if, well, okay, what's, what's Lewis been doing all this time well he's been pissed off about Dexter he's been stewing in his hatred and you know what he's also been honing his craft yeah, and, nice. he, and he comes back into the town, and I always, you know, I always thought that if 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 Dexter was going to die, uh, and I think Gareth and I have talked about this before, I always I always thought that Dexter was going to be killed by a younger version of himself. Mm-hmm. That would have worked, and and he he would have killed Lewis ultimately if this would have gone the way I I wanted it to go. He would have killed Lewis in the end, but he would have been mortally wounded. And yeah. Deb would have killed him out of a sense of easing his pain, and Deb would have raised Harrison. Harrison. Deb and, maybe Deb and Quinn would have raised Harrison. I would have I been would fine have with that. that, but either way, it would be... And, and you know what? Hannah never would have made a return, by the way, just in my story. <laughs> in my storyline, she leaves and never comes back. That's just me. See, I think I'd have, <laughs> have her come back just for Deb to stick her with a knife and just go, that's for trying to kill me. <laughs> She would have gone to she would have gone to Belize instead of Argentina. Yeah. <laughs> I had a question for you guys, but I've kind of forgotten it. Yes, got it. I have a question for you guys. Was anyone wondering or expecting or disappointed that Vogel never had anything to do with Brian? That she wasn't behind the whole yes, raise yes, them separately yes. and do nature versus nurture? Yes. Was anyone expecting you, thank- that? Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I have been thinking about this storyline forever. When they introduced Vogel in the beginning of the season, I really thought that they were going to bring everything full circle, and what that they, they were going to. They, 
they were going to make it so that, that, that Vogel knew perfectly well about Brian, that she had tried to do some kind of, well, I guess, Vogel, you never know really what she does, but I thought maybe she did, like, some kind of psychological magic on, on Brian, and it just didn't end up working. And ultimately, it warped him even even further than maybe he originally was, and that maybe she was partially responsible for what Brian became, you know. Maybe. I, I'd have just... It, yeah, sorry, carry on. No, I just, I just thought that maybe she she had some hand in all of that, and it would have brought everything for a full circle, not just with Dexter, but mm. that Brian was involved a little more. I just thought that had been a nice, real nice tie-in to the whole, to season one, really. I agree. Great. Yeah. I just, I think the way that I'd have seen it play out was that she <clears> saw <throat> what happened with her own son and thought, is, is this what happens to all psychopaths? Sorry, I'm using the buzzword that she uses. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Psychopath. Yeah, um, take a drink. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, she sees that and she thinks, right, so I've got these two boys, both witnessed in the same tragedy, both showing signs of being seriously fucked up. Let's put one in psychiatric care and just see what happens to it if you just leave it. And let's give one to a cop and raise it with a code and manufacture this perfect uh, tethered psychopath drinking um, (laughs) and, and see what would happen. And then Dexter could go batshit crazy about that. Because I think he would, wouldn't he? Yeah. Okay. Harry's supposed reason for not taking in Brian was, oh, he's too old. Damage is done. Uh, older. Well, but the thing is, I guess maybe Vogel hypothetically wouldn't have that problem because she was trying to train uh, Zach, who was unquestionably far too old, certainly older than four-year-old Biney. True. Um so I don't know. I, I also had the thought when you guys were talking about Lewis being the brain surgeon. It sounds like Lewis could have been Zach Hamilton also. If he, I mean, although we already, I've already mentioned that Lewis is way too old to be a damn intern. Um, <laughs> Lewis could be my father. Yeah, um, but let's be fair. You could justify the Lewis being an intern thing with he's a rich guy who's already had his life, but he thinks I really want to try something else. Like his serial yeah. killer game, he uses that and the the intern thing to actually learn from Dexter. Yeah. You know, who Vogel may have sent him to mm-hmm. study from. Seek yeah. There's something awful about you, Morgan. I should have seen it before. The fake smile, the donuts. You don't even walk like a normal person. You collide like a fucking lizard on ice. It's all a fucking act. And I ain't mine. You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. You are one creep, motherfucker. I've got one question for you. Um, when you think about the, the final scene of the, the last episode, do you think that Dexter's dark passenger is back, the way he looked at the camera? Well, that, there's the ambiguity that they referred to, that they wanted from the ending. They wanted it slightly nah. open to interpretation, which Gareth. you could argue is a bit of a cop-out. But nah, Gareth, have you, have you read that, that interview? Yeah. Um, Scott Buck, basically, there was no ambiguity, he just didn't know what Dexter was thinking. If you don't know what your character is thinking, you've done your job wrong. (laughs) Yeah. He really said that. (laughs) Like, when I write my characters, I know what the fuck's going through my characters' heads at all times. There's never a moment where I don't know what my characters are thinking. You should do, even if you don't put it on the page. Yeah, you need to know, and if you go, I don't know what's going through his head, then you're not a very good writer. Yeah. 
Because the whole point yeah. is you're bringing a character to life. You know, but yeah. for, for, for me, I don't think it was his dark passenger. I think he just sat down and just felt the weight of everything that he'd done land on him. The Rita, the, the fact that he ruined Aster and Cody's lives, that Harrison's going to despair, that Hannah's going to be in pain, and that he looks and he thinks, I'm in actual hell. Yeah, and I was, think that's just him looking at his empty life that he's given himself. Yeah. It was a self-imposed penance yeah. that was perhaps appropriate. He, um, yeah, he probably thinks I'm in hell <clears throat> and I deserve this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, morally, you could argue that he needed to pay for his crimes in some way. I think yeah. Deb dying was enough. Deb and Rita dying was enough, really. Yeah. He didn't have to go and excel himself because he'd have gone off to Argentina with... Hannah and Harrison, and that would have been it. You know, yeah. he would not have killed again, because we know that, because that's why he didn't kill Saxon in the penultimate episode. Yeah, well, that, that's a question I had, actually, for, uh, I, I had in my notes to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 a lot of the season has, has been spent considering whether Dexter could straddle both worlds, although he got to the point where he decided he only wanted to be in, in one of those worlds, um, and the conclusion was suggested that he couldn't straddle two worlds successfully. It only ended in death and destruction. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, want, I wanted to ask what you thought, whether once he'd killed Saxon, and, and obviously to and, to and froed about that, at mm. first he wants to kill Saxon, um, and he convinced Vogel it's the right thing to do, which costs her a life, and then he decides he doesn't need or want to kill him, and then he wants to kill him again, but this time yeah, it's out of revenge. But while yeah. that might sound like a criticism, indecisiveness, you could say, is a perfectly human failing, and, and revenge is a very human emotion. emotion. But but I'm, I'm I'm thinking, okay. Once he killed Saxon, he'd lost Deb. But if he wasn't, if he wasn't planning on killing anymore, um, and more importantly, didn't need to kill anymore, couldn't he have just cut his losses and cut his losses and and set out on his new life in Argentina, knowing that his darkness wouldn't be a problem anymore? And, and yeah. Deb Deb told him in this episode to be happy. Go and be happy. He could have done it to honor her. And yeah, and he can't even fulfil her last wish. Her no. last. Lucid wish as well. I, I agree. And I think, if anything, the fact that Deb died would have been enough to make him not go there again. You know, last time I went down the dark path, my fucking sister got killed. He would never look down that path again. Yeah. You know, Fashion I think therapy. The, yeah, the, the death of Deb was significant enough to make him not want to kill anyway. And the love of Hannah and his son, which she genuinely felt... Yeah. would have also been enough to keep him on the light path. Yeah, you know, the yeah. two things together would have completely humanized him. Well, no, I the writers can't... Yeah, go, go ahead, Travis. I was about to make a stupid joke about um, <laughs> Deb's last wishes not being fulfilled. I was going to say, I bet you Dexter did a lot of hiking as his job as a lumberjack, so we could at least say, you know, <laughs> that wish was fulfilled. Yeah, the, the hiking thing. Does anyone just see that as signs of her having a stroke? Yeah. Because at first I was like, what the fuck is she on about? And I was like, oh, she's losing it. Yeah, well, she told Quinn that uh, she loves him, so she was losing it. (laughs) (laughs) In in Quinn's defense, I actually quite liked him this season. He'd finally grown up and developed a level head. And I actually thought that if this version of Quinn was sticking around, he could have actually been the right man for her. Mm -hmm. I I quite liked them together at this point. Well... It's like it's it's kind of nice. It's easier to like Quinn when he isn't um, puking on the side of a road, uh, passed out with 
some unnamed, uh, you know, naked woman in, in a bed, uh, is sleeping in his car after a after a, an all nighter, uh, like he has the last two seasons. I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, like anything of the, the Quinn we've had to to see the last couple of years is uh, better <laughs> than yeah, what we had. So that Quinn was spiraling. I mean, if if we're taking Desmond Harrington, it's worth. Deborah was the love of his life. And not having having her turn around and go, I'm not going to marry you, it would send anyone down a pit of despair, wouldn't it? Oh, yes. Well, yeah. I mean, it it had to and be then, hard for him, but yeah. And then seeing Deb make go through her own spiral makes him think, right, I need to strengthen up because maybe I can try and be a rock for her. Yeah, he did himself a lot of credit this season. Mm. Yeah. Um. Going back to the uh, our question a, a few minutes ago about Dexter making the choice that he did to um, disappear off into the hills of, of Oregon as a, as a lumberjack um, and, and questioning whether that was maybe the best uh, narrative course to take or, or even character as his character, whether he could have honoured Deb's wishes and, and gone to Argentina. Um, the Sarah Colleton interview, she... Uh, um, quoting here she said i always thought that as the journey of him getting closer and closer to becoming a human being the cost gets higher and higher and there's an ultimate price he has to pay but again killing himself would be too easy he has to live with emptiness and deny himself everything it's like they she had her heart set on on him punishing himself in the end because it sounds like they decided that deb would die best part of two years ago yeah that was the end point um well, so maybe they never really seriously considered him going to Argentina at the end. Yeah, I, another thing about you saying they had Deb set to die for years, I think another thing is that Jennifer Carpenter was always a huge champion that Deb needed to die in the end. Like, apparently she'd been saying it for years, that her character needed to die hmm. as well. Yeah, but, you know, I, I kind of feel... I feel like... Um... Yeah. For this season, it's like uh, neither Deb nor Dexter had to really. Now you could argue, if you wanted Dexter's self-imposed prison of of pain that he's in at the end of the episode is his you know payment for what he's done or whatever. But but I, I feel cheated because uh, like we were talking earlier, Matt, about how you know um, Batista should have found out. Followed Lagorda's evidence, and in the and the, sh- the shitstorm should have hit with all of Miami Metro finding out. It's just that ultimately Dexter never, never Dexter and and even Deb never really had to answer for the crimes that they did commit. You mm. know, I mean, Deb tried to tell Quinn and did tell Quinn that you know she killed Lagorda, but of course he didn't believe her, and uh, but ultimately. You know, she never really. You know, she never really got to say, "Hey, look, I killed Lagorda. I did it," and and have people actually believe her. And then, of course, nobody found out about Dexter being a serial killer, so he never had to endure all of his friends and all of the people that he worked with all these years to look at him like the monster that he always thought himself to be. Yeah, and that that you would know? be more painful for him, surely. But I agree. Especially- Ghost was never vindicated. Lagorda never got to be seen as anything more than an idiot. Because let's be fair, she's not an idiot. She's a fucking good cop. You know, and there are people who died needlessly and were labelled wrongly. Yep. And I think part of the payoff should have been seeing those people vindicated. Yeah, Dokes Dokes, especially. 
yeah, Dokes is now instead of years being looked at as uh, you know the Bay Harbor Butcher, now finally the right person is being found out to be the Bay Harbor Butcher. And like I was saying earlier, Matt, you know, it, I would have loved you know I think Mizuka was always looked at as the lead forensics uh, uh, guy oh, in the right. case. Uh, yeah, so he was the lead, he was the lead forensics, and I wanted to see. I wanted to see this. It would have been great to see Mizuka do some of that great forensics work to show why he's the lead forensics. Yeah, because I've never seen Mizuka do anything, like, other than find mitochondrial DNA in the Trinity case. Yeah. Yeah, and that yeah. algae. The algae that in season it. one, was it? And, and season, season two. Yeah. Season two, yeah, yeah, that's it. And I don't think that's LFI material. Dexter's done a shitload more than <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, so it would have been great to see Mizuka kind of show why. Or at least help, at least for a moment, show why he's the lead forensics investigator and and be the one to crack the case. You know, I mean, I don't know about you, Matt, but I felt like what was the point? Uh, what was the whole point of keeping Batista and Mizuka and and maybe to a certain extent Quinn here year after year after year, it, and put them through some of the really crappy storylines they've had to suffer through over the last couple of seasons. I thought, okay, you know what? If all of that meant that in the end, the payoff was to see the shocked look on their faces when they all finally realized that Dexter was responsible as the Bay Harbor Butcher and that Dokes was, in fact, just a victim, um, that, that LaGuardia was right all along last season. Uh, I mean, I, I wasn't, wasn't that agree. the point? The I mean, foundation was there. Quinn suspected Dexter and knew that he'd killed Liddy. Batista had everything that LaGuardia had left, including the warrants to search Dexter and Deb's phone. You would have known, if he'd have done, followed through those warrants, he'd have known that Dexter and Deb, Dexter had gone to the container, received a phone call from Deb, who then went to the container on the night at the moment where LaGuardia died. Yeah. You know, it, and that, that, that's, that's all it would have taken for Batista to run up to Quinn and go, I found this, and Batista goes, you're never going to believe this. But, and then they're going to start on him and try and find legitimate information that they can actually use. Mm, it was went, right there. Yeah, he had he had all the evidence in those boxes, and they mm. even showed him at one point going through some of it. Yeah. And I thought, oh, yeah, he's going to find that CD of of Deb at the at the uh, filling yeah, station. Because that the, was there. Yeah. He just goes warrants to search Dexter and Deb's phone. Rip, and I was like, there goes the storyline. Yeah, that's that's the last we're going to hear yeah. of it. And I, I wonder whether Matthews and Batista at some point might have just been, you know, having a chat. And Matthew said, hey, you know, LaGuerta thought Dexter was up to something. Had some crazy idea that he was the Bay Harbor Butcher. You know, and had a sort of a laugh about it. And then Batista finds, uh, or thinks, hang on a minute, yeah, I found some stuff in her, found some uh, documents in her, her belongings. Would and she maybe not follow still through have with had, that. Would she still not have had the Travis Marshall blood slide, or was that destroyed when they were checking it for blood? Because she'd have had the results from that. Yeah. A blood slide contained blood from a victim who died after Dokes died. Yes. You know, the building blocks yeah. were there for a fantastic finale. Yeah, that's my, my words exactly, yeah. And this, this really is, for me, the season of wasted potential. Yeah. This is the Dissecting Dexter podcast. It doesn't matter what I do. Born in blood... Both of us. 
Do you guys think that maybe Batista would have been better used as... I mean, I'm just spitballing here. Like, what if Harrison stayed with Jamie and Batista instead, with Deb's death? And, uh... I, I mean, I don't... I'm not even complaining about Hannah necessarily, but just I feel like Jamie was already there. We know Jamie loved uh Harrison. And I feel like... But just to give Batista a better send-out, then, you know, what's the last thing Batista did? Like... He was on the phone, like, hey, what's going on? Oh, Dexter died? Oh, that sucks. And, like, that's it? That was the end of Batista's story? Like, you know, and yeah. did, did Jamie get a... I think a couple episodes ago, Jamie talked about going to college, maybe, but that's it. No, she had a job at a college. Oh, that was that it? Yeah. I think she was Weird. working, like, a special ed college, and that was it. Oh. And then Quinn broke up with us. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen the Jamie Batista keeping Harrison, because... I mean, let's face it, uh, I thought, oh, you know, uh, Harrison goes up and, and hugs Dexter in the finale and says, I love Hannah, and it's like, oh, yeah, thanks, well, writers. Really good job there. Way to, way to really give yeah. us the heavy-handedness to that I, one. Uh, that wasn't, yeah, but that wasn't heavy-handed. The heavy-handed ones was when he turned around and goes, I wish Hannah was my mom. It was like, oh. sorry, guys, have uh, yeah. you actually forgotten Rita at all? Yeah. You know, is that not a huge slap to the fans? Yeah. How about Dexter going to visit Hannah's or uh, go visit Rita's grave before he goes to visit Argent to leave to Argentina? You know, oh. to say to say goodbye. Just, to, just, to finally, yeah. you know, to say something well, about maybe you know, you know yeah, wishing that he could have done better with Astro yeah. and Cody. Oh yeah, that's a great yes. Yeah, see, I said you know, earlier you know, about Astro and Cody. That he just abandoned? And I do feel sorry for them because, yeah, you're right. His their brother's gone, their their aunt is dead and missing, their stepdad is is missing and dead. And where's their brother and their mom and their dad and yeah, you know, they never visit. No, <laughs> yeah. if it, like think about it, since season five they visited at the beginning of season five. They they had, oh, they, they had three episodes they were in for season five, or at least Astor was. I think yeah, Astro was in two, yeah, Cody three. Yeah, rocked up and played Angry Birds for ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, so from season from the beginning of season five to the end of the series, they were in a total of, what, four episodes? Yeah. You know? In, the, in a 30, what, yeah. That's in half like, the run. That's half the show. Yeah. But I think, for me, what made me laugh was um, when Dexter Turner goes, they're okay with me leaving, but I have to leave Astro my SUV. I'm like, Asta's 13. How the fuck can she drive? <laughs> no, forgive me if I'm wrong. I don't know the American laws, but I'm pretty sure a 13-year-old can't drive an SUV. Definitely not. have to be 16. 16. I thought it was 16, but I wasn't mm. sure. So that's that for me was like, hang on, what, when did Asta turn 16? Mm. It's going to be in storage a while, isn't it? Yeah. Another <laughs> yeah. question. Uh, this is pointless, but uh, when we saw the Sil Prado cameo, she mentioned that she wanted to focus on the kids. Yeah. What kids? Yeah. Yeah, uh, it was Deanna. I think Deanna, who was on the call earlier, she uh, asked the question. She said, didn't um, the Prados have mentioned uh, having fertility problems back in season three? Yeah. That they couldn't have kids. But then um, you, Travis, suggested, I think we were talking on... uh, offline, that um, you suggested that she might have ended up looking after... Um, her her nieces or nephews? Yeah, I mean, that's what I suggest. I think it's a weak answer because both of their parents were still around. It's not like 
you know, they were orphaned. But I mean, that's just what I'd have to believe. Mm. That what she meant by watching after the kids. Yeah. Um, I think it was just really ham-fisted, and it just it kind of shows the writers never looked back, or didn't really give a shit. Or well, maybe extent. they they wanted to tell us this way that she found another love and had a few kids. I mean, it's five seasons back, so she could have children with somebody else now. Maybe, but it's they possible. didn't really do that very well. No, <laughs> she could have said, "Oh, I got remarried. We have two kids. Oh, great." You know, yeah, that would have been fair. But instead, she went after Miguel died. I just focused on the kids. Mm-hmm. What kids? Yeah, well, she had nothing else to focus on because Rita stopped being her friend after she, she got pregnant. You know, you never even heard of the Prados until this yeah. uh, season again. Can I just point out that Rita died and her best friend and mother never showed up to her funeral? Yeah. 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 I don't think I could ever yeah. miss a, my daughter's funeral, no matter what was going on. Yeah, this it show... hard on the best of terms, though. No, even so. Well, this show just fills up funerals with random ass people. You remember Vogel's funeral? Who are all those people there? What? Where did those people come from? Yeah. <laughs> she wrote like, a few wh- books. They were fans. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, like all those people at Rita's funeral. Like, okay, don't act like Rita had a life outside of Dexter. Like, don't. What are those coworkers or something? Well, she worked in a hotel for a little while before getting mm. fired, but that was it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, good, good days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. But it does, it does kind of. I suppose it's fair to say that we had our, the show had its little niggly points back then. Mm-hmm. It's kind of reassuring, yeah. but um, niggly points. Ne- never but more so since the end of season four. <laughs> yeah, I just. Mm, yeah, season four was would have made a much better ending, actually. Yeah, you know Perfect that felt ending. like a finale. Yes. You know, Dexter was going. I, you know, I thought I could change, keep my family safe. Yeah, this is fate, and the the story at that point came full circle. You know, yes, you had Dexter, did. you had the boy in blood all over again, and that season four finale actually brings tears to my eyes. Oh yeah, that, I and can't watch that eight, last scene. Oh yeah, either. it makes me yeah. cry. Whereas season eight, I didn't feel anything. Yeah, but they are still not willing to to let the cow die. They want to milk it further. I've read about a spin-off for Dexter. Showtime is apparently planning a spin-off for Dexter. Wow. I, I, just, I can't... As much as I like Quinn and Batista and that, I just can't see them carrying a show. There's nothing about them no. that would warrant a show. I mean, it's not like Fraser. <laughs> yeah. I think Travis, if uh-huh. you're still here... You you yeah. made a great sort of thing about, you know, Quinn is a hard-working Miami Metro police department who occasionally walks his dog. You know, was that you? <laughs> no, it wasn't. Okay, well, no. somebody came up with this trailer for the, the Quinn show, and it was like, yeah, that's essentially what it would be. It would kind of be just like uh, your run-of-the-mill cop show. Yeah. I'm not entirely um, sure how a spinoff would work for the show. They've kept Dexter alive... I don't know. I'm not. I don't know Michael C. Hall's head. I'm not sure if he's exactly ready to jump back in to the character Dexter, even if it is five years down the road or something. But wouldn't that just be a, a continuation of Dexter if, if a spinoff with the same character? 
I'll be Dexter the uh, lumberjack. You know, tonight's the night, and it's going to happen again <laughs> and again. Well, Pulls up an axe and just chomp. Yeah, you know, something that would be interesting without <laughs> Miami Metro's sl- resources. It also well, could be a, a prequel um, of uh, Harry teaching him the code. Dexter, if you not, not had that in flashback though. It'd be like a dramatization of early cuts. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And there is, uh, I saw a TV, a thing on YouTube, somebody did do Dexter the early years, and Dexter and Masuka went to college together. <laughs> oh, the Dexter dorm room days? Yeah. Yeah, that's the one. That, that dude actually kind of looked like Michael C. Hall. That's probably the yeah. only reason why they even got the idea. It kind of worked. Yeah. I quite liked the fact that Masuka had like a sign on his door that said, the doctor is in. Yeah. You know, it's very Masuka. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, it's worth a look. I think they planned on making it like a, a series of YouTube videos, but it never got past that first one. It's a good one, though. It's not bad. Yeah. I think if there was if there was a spin-off and it, it looks like, as they say, Scott Buck has been kept on I by Showtime, I, I would fear for it. <laughs> I so you're after... not doing the podcast for that. Um, I, I, I might be tempted to cover the first episode. <laughs> I think after the train wreck that is Dex, uh, that has become Dexter from Scott Buck, I don't think I'd ever want to look at anything that has his name on it again, mm. even if it was just a commercial for Pepsi. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's worked yeah. on some good stuff before. He's got a good track record. Yeah, well, he's never in charge. Under. Yeah, but he's never in charge. I think is no. the whole the thing. Yeah, mm. I I know it's a lot been... of writers who just don't work as showrunners. Actually, yeah. And he just isn't one of them. No, I don't think he's a guy. He's just, I don't know. I don't know what qualities. I was, like I was well, saying I earlier, you know. You were saying he's that he's very pretentious. He does just need someone to slap him in the face and say, stop being a ponce. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and there was no one around to do that. Uh, nobody, no, because Sarah Carlton was like his big, biggest cheerleader. She probably was over there with pom-poms in a cheerleader outfit, jumping up and down every decision he made. You know, um, at least that's what it felt like. And the other podcast, I can remember, it was Scott Singleton or whatever it was. He'd be there going, yeah, mom, your your work is so dark, man. It's like, mom, mm-hmm. how deep is that? Yeah, he's talking about Scott, are you talking about Scott Reynolds, the host of the Scott, podcast? Scott Reynolds, Scott, that's it, yeah. Uh, it confused me then that Scott Singleton's on the Facebook page. Sorry, I, <laughs> it's just, there's too many Scots around. you got like... Yeah, yeah but they're all a, positive. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, Scott he, Singleton he, likes the show. Does anyone... Uh, like, I don't watch the season 8 rewatch for this last episode, because it all, it's all backslapping. But did he actually finish the, oh. um, did he start the podcast? Going, ice cream. Yeah, because that's actually the last line of the show. Let's get some ice cream. <laughs> ice cream. No. Who'd have thunk? Yeah. yeah, ice cream, man. Yeah, that's what wow. he does. Yeah, they're like, wow, oh, man, how did wow. it feel to be the one to write the episode where Harrison got ice cream? Ice cream. How was that? <laughs> Man, when we were breaking that in the room, it was like we didn't know if it was chocolate or vanilla, but we thought we'd leave it up to the viewers' the minds. Because we, we didn't yeah. know what kind of flavor he would want. So yeah, you, we, oh, you're such a bunch of bloody cynics. Let's let's <laughs> let's see if we can <laughs> let's see if we can change that. Um, we, we've got a couple of callers who who want to say a few words. Um, uh, Chris from Georgia. Hi, Chris. Are you, are you there? I am there. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Clear. Wonderful. Uh, You're live on you Dissecting know, Dexter. I feel, I feel like I've called into a, to a, um, like a, a call-in TV show. It's amazing. Talking to Charlie Rose or something. 
But uh, yeah, I, I don't know if you remember from last week. I was I was Mr. Positivity last week. Uh, you know, really got on board with the last episode and uh, did a lot. Got on board with this episode too, or was at least looking to do so. Uh, and I guess my my first thought was, you know, immediately after the finale, uh, I ran online like many people did to kind of gauge my my opinion or in my case, my lack of opinion against everybody else's. You know, what was the fan chatter? Which, as you all know, was overwhelmingly negative. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and I can't say that I entirely disagree with it either. But I'm just wondering, for, for the opinion of everybody else here, um, I know, for instance, last season, season seven, I was, uh, truthfully, I wasn't very keen on it as it was airing. A lot of people were like, oh, Dexter's back, it's doing great. And I was just kind of lukewarm about the whole season, including the finale. Um, and it was only after I had been away from the show for months and I bought the Blu-ray and just sat down in like a weekend and watched them back to back that I kind of appreciated what the season did. And I'm wondering if it's possible, even with all the plot holes and problems that season eight has had, if we might do that as well with this season. If, you know, given some time and some space from the show and watching it as a block as opposed to a week-to-week series, if we might have a different opinion on it. Maybe. No, but... Who can stand all that to in 12 straight hours? I don't know. Oh. Well, maybe, but I did watch the first, like, six back-to-back at one point just to see if it would make a difference, and it, it didn't. <laughs> okay, I picture, I picture like... I picture like when they take hostages in war. Like we don't do we don't do waterboarding anymore. We make you sit and watch the final season of Dexter, <laughs> one after another. <laughs> like by the end, they're just like screaming and ripping their hair out. And dear God, I'll say anything. Just please make this take stop. Hannah away. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. It, it sounds awful, but like season seven, I really I I mean I thought there were things that they could have done better in season seven. I think there were. There were some weaker parts to it, but, you know, I, I really think that the reason why Season 7 is so strong uh, as compared to 6 and 8 is because when they ended Season 6 with Deb, walk, or with Deb walking in on, on Dexter, they had a strong storyline and a lot of material that they could have, they, they had a lot of material to use going into Season 7, and it was so good that even they couldn't screw that up, at That's least for true. a while, you <laughs> know? Very hard to screw up the fact your sister just found out you're a serial killer. Yeah. And that, but even that then, I don't... wealth of information. They never really went into it properly. They didn't... They but, didn't you know, they, so... oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Travis. Oh. It wasn't oh. me, it was you. Go on. Chris, oh, I think. I think Chris is trying to reply. Oh, I, well, I was just trying to just run off of the point really quick about them exploring her finding out about Dexter... And one thing that always bothered me that was just never addressed, I mean, of all the things they did address, they addressed Trinity and Lumen, they never really addressed Deborah finding out exactly what the hell happened with Dokes. She was just automatically okay with the fact that Dokes was labeled the Bay Harbor Butcher, she liked Dokes, and Dexter got away with it, but they never even addressed that, and that always bothered me. Uh Yeah. Yeah, Just jumping in very quickly, did anyone else get the sense that from, like, season one and two, there was just a little bit of love blooming between those two. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Def- definitely. Deb and Dokes. Mm. Yeah, they were, set- they were setting that up for sure. Even in season one, uh, Dokes kind of, like, asked her on a date, but then Rudy came, like, uh, came okay. and kind of, like, cock-blocked him. Do you remember that? Yeah, I just, yeah, I wasn't sure yeah. if I was reading that properly or whether I was picking up something that wasn't really there. I'm just glad that was, because, yeah. Okay. No, they they were definitely setting something up, and 
I mean, I understand oh. that they, they can't think of the whole show from the from one sitting. They can't plan the whole series out, so I guess things do change. Actually, you but can. I, well, you can, but they don't. <laughs> they don't, but you can. Yeah. And that's probably you, one of the problems they have. Do you think do. that it would well, be... Do you think it would be beneficial for a lot of shows now these days? Because I think with there's so many, there's so many, you know, uh, so many great shows out there coming from different places, and I'm starting. I start to wonder now whether most shows should there should be like a finite amount of seasons. Like I always, I always look at it like no, no show without a doubt should. It, go beyond six seasons at the very most. And I wonder if most shows should come out to where if, if you get through two seasons, if they renew you for season two and then you get to, you know through season two uh, to be renewed for season three, you automatically get re-upped for season four. And I agree. then, and then I you have what I would call a... a uh, then what happens is, is that the, stu- the studio... Mm would have an option for a fifth season if they really felt like they needed it. But but this is all coming... So you already know you only have so much time, but you know I feel like it, it would be a lot easier to plan out a show and an ending and have a lot more... a better chance to make a better show from, from season one to the end, you know? I completely agree. Like, as a writer, I actually... When I have a, a show idea or something I put together, I always try and plan not only that season's arc, but what comes after at least two or three ahead. Just because, and just to make sure that there's things that can actually carry through. Otherwise, you do have these little self-contained stories and you can't really go anywhere with some of them. Vince Gilligan um, said that he just planned for the pilot and uh, didn't plan ahead when he was uh, trying to sell his idea to networks. And that turned out really fine. <laughs> You know what That's comes impressive. through pretty pretty loud and clear from the the Breaking Bad podcast. Uh, I mean, no no spoilers, obviously, but it does sound that to a large extent they make it up as they go along. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yes. He it, it, it says about they love to write themselves in a corner and and having no idea how they're going to get out of it, and then have yeah. the fun of right how we're going to get out of this. I suppose there are, there are approaches for different things. Like you can loosely make a story and then sort of run with it and mm. see how you get there or how you end up, and be prepared to change it. Yeah. But I don't think you should set it in concrete or go beginning and do what you want. Yeah. And maybe that was the problem with Dexter, right? Because they had, you know, if they, if they really did kind of sit down before seven and eight and kind of decide the ultimate end of Dexter around about that, maybe it was because they took the notion of, okay, here's where we're starting, here's where we're going to end, straight line to that, however we're going to get there, the end. Whereas with Breaking Bad, who maybe makes it up more as they go, by writing themselves in the corners and having to creatively get out of it, it makes them think more as writers. Yeah. Force them to be creative. All right, guys. Yeah, um, yeah. Just going to have to quickly shoot off and say thanks for having me. Okay, Matt. Thanks very much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Bye, Matt. Cheers, buddy. And bye. have a great discussion for the rest. Catch you later, guys. Cheers. All right, bye. Bye. compromise everything about myself that I care about. And I hate you for it. I shot the wrong person in the trailer. You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. I shot the wrong person in the trailer. Um, we have another caller uh, waiting in the wings. Um, I'm not sure if they're... 
at their mic at the moment. Ray, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Hi, Ray. Hi, Welcome. everyone. Welcome. Hello. Hey. <laughs> hey, um, I've been listening probably for about uh, an hour and a half now, and I apologize if it's really loud over here. I'm at, I'm at my son's soccer practice. Uh, it's almost, it's past six o'clock here in Columbus, Ohio, in, in the U.S., and I've been listening for a while now, and I've just been laughing to all your guys' comments. Like, we've just seen an ending of a comedy show, because every <laughs> comment is just really hilarious, and every single thing that you guys said is just so funny, and I wish, and I'm hoping the reaction is not like this at the end of a, of a, of a eight-season show that we've been watching for a while, and... I just hope that the reaction is, oh, this is a great show. I can't believe I'm going to miss this show and whatever. But I'm sorry. I've just been laughing. And uh, it's not a bad thing. But you guys are really entertaining me for the last hour and a half. And I think <laughs> I've never expected to to be laughing listening to a podcast after it just ended. And it's supposed to be a drama. <laughs> so this is just, you know, uh, voicing my disappointment. And... Uh, I just uh, like what everybody's saying. I just wish that uh, they ended it in season four. I think that's a good enough season for me. But I've I've stuck stuck to everything. I've watched every single episode of Dexter, most of them twice, and uh, it's just very disappointing the way it ended. And you know, I just want to appreciate uh, everyone, especially you, Gareth, uh, and all the the work you've done. I've always said to myself before this, this last season started, I'm going to send you an email every single episode, and I can't do it. I was just too busy, and kudos to you in doing this and taking out of your time, your busy time and uh, doing this every week. That's, uh, that's very commendable. Thanks, Ray. I appreciate that. It has been... It, is, it has been a bit of a, a, a tough season to, to podcast about and maintain my enthusiasm. And I, I think as the season's gone on, you'll have heard loud and clear through my commentary that my disappointment, I've, I've found it harder to hide my disappointment to the point that I just had to pour it out in one particular uh, episode when there wasn't even a, a show airing. I, I put a bonus episode out there that I had to get <laughs> it all off my chest. Uh, but uh, thanks very much for your, your positive comments about, about the podcast. Um, I think the word here is disappointing, and I think we're we are all united in in feeling that way. And it's it's such a shame that we, we've. I'm sure if we had a choice, we wouldn't be feeling like this. We'd much rather be doing a podcast now where we're saying, "Wasn't that fantastic? What these writers are genius! What what a job they did! They really pulled a number on us." Uh, but we're not, and and disappointment is is the buzzword uh, I think that's taken over from uh, psychopath oh take a drink <laughs> <laughs> and the other note about that too is and I know it's not their fault but it's it's them going against Breaking Bad it's just I know it's not a show to compare but Breaking Bad is ending too and um, that show has never di- disappointed me on, on every single second that it's on and it's just the standard, the bar is so set so high, and then you watch um, Dexter, and it's just really disappointing. So that's probably one of the the bad things that happened for, for the season. But 
Uh, anyways, uh, I just wanna again thank you. I'll be listening to um, to your uh, podcast pa- pa- podcast uh, rewatch if you're gonna, ever gonna do that again. I'll be looking forward to that. And just to let you know, you've read uh, my review on iTunes before, and for some reason, my username was has a bunch of weird uh, <laughs> characters in it, and that was me. And <laughs> so, just so just so you know. But um, thanks again, and uh, I'm gonna go put myself on mute now and just listen to you guys the rest okay. of the way. And I appreciate it. Thanks, Ray. Appreciate that. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Uh, I was I curious. Oh, go on. Oh, I was going to say, I, I, I joined an hour late. I had to finish up work before I was able to actually start listening to the call. And I know you guys have mentioned a lot of the interviews that Scott Buck and Sarah Colton and all those have done since the series have ended. And I'm curious if anyone touched on the point when, you know, I, I don't remember which which interview it was. It may have been EW, but somebody was fairly, you know, on the nose with them about the problems this season and saying, well, why didn't you guys do this or that? And they specifically said, I don't remember if it was Colton or Buck, that they... They thought about going, you know, kind of what we were all wanting, like the Bay Harbor Butcher being exposed, Dexter on the run storyline, and said, no, we already have done that, forget that, the fans wouldn't want to see it. And it, to me, that, I don't know, that just it screams of such a disconnect, how you could run the show about a, a serial killer hiding in plain sight, and then dismiss the idea of the finale that was pretty much the universal desire of the fans. Yeah. yeah. They, they obviously had completely different plans and it was a complete misjudgment of what the audience wanted. I mean, you've got Scott Reynolds who's very active on Twitter and has been for a couple of years, um, directly associated with a, you know, a Twitter feed about the show and his podcast. He's, he must have had loads of tweets from fans over the last, well, since the start of season seven. He must have had a feel for what the fans were wanting. Um, if 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 none of the others did, I, I just I just don't get. And also that they obviously ch- took this choice to. Um, and I talked about this on the podcast uh, over the last couple of weeks that they could have done both this season if they'd not wasted yeah. so much time on Zach and bloody Nikki. Um, mm-hmm. They could have had <laughs> the storyline of you know for sake of argument Batista finding out going through Laguerta's stuff and finding s- enough evidence to start actually building a case. Um, and have that running in parallel with Dexter, you know, all right, if they had to have Hannah, they could have had all that lovey-dovey stuff um, and, and, and the softcore porn and, you know, and all the rest of that Pop stuff. Run, yeah, running in running in parallel. And, and that could have added to the tragedy of him then losing it all at the end, but have it through um, uh, the case being built and, and him being um, under serious, serious threat of, of, of actually being charged, never mind having someone suspect him, but an actual case being built. Um, I think that would have been far more compelling. They didn't need to have all this messing around with, with irrelevant and non-interesting storylines that, that we've had to sit through. Yeah, I think es- escaping to Argentina would have been better than just going to Argentina. Like, that might have been like, okay, we got to get out of here because... They knew who I am, and I mean, I was obviously, you know, you probably can't go by flight, but you could have found a way to bar- get on a barge or something or get on some kind of boat that, you know, is able to get them away. But, but you know, I, I think the thing that, one of the things that disappoints me is that the first rule of the code is don't get caught. 
So wouldn't that be the ending that we were, that you know the one thing that Dexter and Harry feared more than anything else is that Dexter getting caught is what should have happened because him getting caught would have been the worst nightmare you know that they had envisioned since he was a, a, a you know a little boy and and a Harry and obviously Vogel created the code and and uh, you know they instilled the code into him and that was the one thing that that Harry always told him. Yeah. And I agree with that. And, and I remember reading uh, a more recent interview with, I believe it was Michael, that was, you know, he had mentioned that they felt like maybe that storyline was used a little early in season two. And while, while it made for very compelling television, but I, I feel like even though they, they used the storyline before, I feel like that's the perfect line to come back to. If you're going to come back around to anything, don't come back around to Hannah McKay. Hey, come back to the Bay Harbor Butcher, especially since you kind of teased it last season with LaGuardia as kind of almost a background thread until the final episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I, I had a question regarding the show's legacy. Can you, in all good conscience, recommend the show to somebody knowing how disappointed they will be when they follow through? Tell them to stop watching after season four. You can't really do that, though, right? Like, if because I've considered of that. Of course, like, I'm I'm telling people that for for True Blood, just just stop after season four. Stop. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe I don't have that kind of self control. But I mean, if, I imagine you know if I was into the show really bad, you you could tell me how shitty the show was and I or show got, and I'd still continue. Like, nah, I can't be that bad. Mm-hmm. I guess that's that's on that person. But I mean, I couldn't. If someone is getting really into Dexter, like how we all probably used to be in earlier seasons. I mean, they're going to ride that thing to the to the wheels come off. I mean, look what we're talking about now. I mean, yeah. I mean, you you get you, you get to the end of season four with with what happens in the finale, and there's no way you're going to say, "Oh, well, that was a great show," but I've been yeah. told not to watch five, six, seven, or eight, so I'm not going to bother. Mm-hmm. You're going to want to know what happens next, aren't you? Yeah. Well, well I, I think we all have. Oh, go ahead. I, I, would, I guess I would just recommend it kind of how I recommended, uh, and, and it's not really a comparable show because it's a comedy show, but kind of how I recommended My Name is Earl, which if anybody watched that show, spoiler alert, it ended on a, on a two-bay continue. They didn't actually get renewed for season five, and so it literally ended on a cliffhanger. Now, it's a comedy and not a drama, and you know that's understandable, but it really leaves a bad mouth or a bad taste in the mouth of the viewer. But I, I would recommend Dexter in that saying, like, listen, it's a great show, especially the first half of it. But know that it's going to get weaker, and the finale is going to be lukewarm. It's not going to be, you know, what you may have hoped for. But the first four seasons are going to be great, and there are good things about the other four. But just be wary of that. Yeah. Oh, I mean, there's, there's been, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> we're, we're all being very down on things, and it, it's not been, it's not been a train wreck the whole time. I mean, the, the, the general trajectory. Uh, no, that's not. Let me rephrase that. The, the execution of of the show um, in in the last four seasons has not been not been great. It, it's been um, there's been plenty of missteps, but the general trajectory of the character has, to me, I, I can rationalise it and um, believe it. I think, for the most part, I mean, yeah, we talk about consistencies in inconsistencies in Dex's character at times but I think from start to finish I think the character arc has been um, interesting and compelling for the most part yeah. 
Yeah, I think uh, it's also important to talk about Deb a little bit too, because I think we can't we can't. I mean, Dexter obviously is is the the main character of the show, but uh, I've always seen it more like one. De- you know, Dexter is one A, and Deb's one B. I mean, she's obviously the female lead, and in a lot of ways, she has almost as much screen time uh, throughout the series as, as Dexter does too, because they always made. They always made a really good effort at trying to pay attention to whatever was going on in her life. And I actually think, as much as I love Dexter's, Dexter's trajectory over over time, and I do think that's one of the things they did manage to do pretty well overall, I love, De- I love Deb's arc as a character more than any other character on the show. Because, you know, if you go back to the pilot episode, she was uh, a vice cop, she was... Um, she had no confidence in herself whatsoever. Um, she had to run every every idea through by by Dexter, um, and then you know she eventually got more confidence in herself. She became a, a a great cop. You could see the the instincts that Harry had were, were, were definitely there, and then eventually you know she was, she got you know she was so good at what she she did. Basically, to me, I think she was the only only cop in the entire Miami Metro that actually solved a murder or a crime of any kind. <laughs> um, but, you know, she she became, you know, she took over LaGuardia's position. And, you know, you can argue that Matthews, you know, gave it to her, uh, you know, but but she she deserved that more. I think she deserved that more than LaGuardia deserved that position. Uh, and I loved I loved her character. I mean, obviously, I think the only storyline we can all agree w- was was terrible. Obviously, it was the whole uh, you know Deb and Dex you know love, love storyline. Yeah. I think if you take that, <laughs> I think if you take that storyline and you eject it, I, I think there's absolutely you know no nothing wrong with the entire arc of 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 Deb uh, whatsoever. And to me, honestly, uh, I love Dexter, but but. Deb, Deb for me will go down as my favorite character in the show, and it'll go, she goes down already for me as one of my all-time favorite characters from any show. Yeah, um, Rob G on the wrap-up podcast, he said Deb is his favorite all-time TV character, so you're not alone there. And I think she's got a, a special place in the hearts of, of all the Dexter viewers, I'm sure. Well, it's not just because she's, you know, I mean, we, we all we all love her, um, you know, we all love the things that she comes up with and says. It, it kind of goes in tandem with, with what Mizuka, you know, did for a long time, you know, some of the stuff that had come out of his mouth. Um, but I, I love Deb because there there was always a great moral center there. I mean, I know obviously she, you know, she killed the Guarda and she kind of compromised herself, and I understand that, but... She was a good person, uh, but she was such a strong female character. You know, what? It's something that you don't always get on TV. But she was such. She had her opinions. You knew what she was thinking. There was no filter. But she loved the people around her. If she had no filter and she was just kind of like a really like unscrupulous, unscrupulous and bad person, and kind of just you mean to the people around her in general. I don't think people would have liked her all that much. But I think because you knew that, hey, she loved Batista. She loved the people around her. You know, even LaGuardia, who they had a very odd and very difficult relationship, 
even she even loved Laguerta to a certain extent. She had respect there, uh, in a way. Um, so that's why I love I love Deb. She'll go down as my favorite character, and uh, you know, just feel bad that she's dead in a way, I guess. Yeah, yeah, can't can't argue with you. I'll just echo your words. She's certainly a favorite of mine, and like I said, she she was the heart of the show. Deb, look at yourself. You're lost. I know exactly where I am. I am in some shitty fucking hell, which is exactly what I deserve. You! You are lost. This is the Dissecting Dexter Podcast. Now, just to say, I mean, just to go back to what Travis was saying, I mean... What what is the legacy of this show? And I'm, I'm not talking about uh, when you're talking to other people about the show. I mean, when you're looking at the show as a whole, if you if you were to say, okay, what is the legacy of Dexter? What what kind of legacy did it leave behind, uh, despite the fact that it's had bad seasons and had real problems? Um, do you look at this as one of the best shows ever? If you were to rank a top one, top 100 or a top 50, is this a show you would slot down and say, yes, this is one of the greatest shows of all time? Mm. I mean, question. I personally would probably rank it in the top 50. I mean, again, I, I, looking at it as a whole and what it did for the TV landscape, you know, yes, there were other shows before it that kind of had challenging characters, and, and the, the whole... The whole idea, though, of, of the anti-hero, quote-unquote, as it's been presented on TV over the past, you know, four or five years, it feels like Dexter was one of the first shows that really kind of challenged you in that way, that put you in a position of rooting for a character that normally would be the villain on any other show. I mean, it kind of paved the way for shows like Breaking Bad and kind of setting up the idea that we don't have to necessarily agree with the quote-unquote hero to still be engaged with him. That's true. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, very definitely. Yeah. I, I I think I would rank it pretty pretty high. I think it, the first four seasons are so strong. Uh, season five is got its strong points. There's things I like and, and dislike about it, and then of course season seven is is a pretty decent season. Uh, the two worst seasons obviously weigh, and obviously the final season weighs it down uh, a bit. But it it is, I think, a great series. I mean, look, if it wasn't a great series, it wouldn't have as many fans as it does. We wouldn't be here podcasting if it, mm-hmm. the series uh, if if we never felt initially that it was worthy of of as much time as that we we have all put into it. And of course, Gareth, I mean, you've Obviously, as the as the host and of the podcast, you put in a, a a tremendous amount of time. So for you, I mean, you would have had to like all of us love this show enough to to give your time. So I, I think that that it does go down as is an all time great show. I th- with, with caveats, though. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. I mean, I think I think also it, it certainly pushed the boundaries of what you could depict on TV, because um, it, it was. Um, it was. It did come along before quite a lot of the of the current sort of quote unquote anti-hero shows that that are on now. Uh, I mean, they're they're a, a dime a dozen now, aren't they? Um, these, as you, as you put it, challenging lead characters. 
um, who, who we're supposed to root for, despite them doing morally questionable things. I mean, Breaking Bad's one, but there's there's plenty of them out there, Sons of Anarchy. Um, I think Sopra- Sopranos predated Dexter, and that was probably one of the the, the leading lights in, in that department, wasn't it? Yeah. Of, of serialised TV featuring a, a, an out-and-out anti-hero. Um, unquestionably a, a bad guy. Uh, but how much of a bad guy was, was Dexter, really? I mean... We, he, 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 there was kind of, kind of that moral offset that he was taking out the trash, <laughs> killing bad guys, which but, which almost gave us permission to to root for him. But that was, right. I mean, I was like the only thing that Hannah did did right in the whole series. She told him, "You're responsible for your actions. You can't blame it on the dark passenger or on some some trauma you had as a as a child. It's it's your responsibility and what you're doing." You're doing it because you you want to do, and not because you have to do it. Yeah, uh, I don't know why I was so silent there. Uh, yeah, I mean that's <laughs> the that's the one good thing I could say about Hannah. But I mean, really, she was only just speaking something that was so simple. Uh, I'm not even sure if that point even necessarily needed to be made. I, I, in earlier seasons, I don't think Dexter never talked about the Dark Passenger as though it was actually something taking control of him or anything um it wasn't until the recently for season seven's purposes i suppose that they decided that like dexter completely blames his dark passenger for everything i mean i I brought this up i believe during some time during season seven but like dexter used to like killing people he used to get think it was fun yeah Uh, but he all uh, he also always uh talked about the need to kill um the moon that was driving him uh, making his blood, uh, I don't know, hot, on, and, and he had to do it because uh, it was the time to kill and he felt the need to do it. Yeah, yeah, the fact that he was killing bad guys was was kind of a, a, a handy, um, almost justification, but his his motivation was purely selfish, his, his yes. primary motivation. It was just that Harry, and as we've discovered, Vogel channeled it to direct him to killing bad guys. So that some good, quote unquote, good might come of it. And he was explaining think, yeah. to Deborah uh, how he, he felt his his need to kill rise in him, how the pressure um, was building up, and he had to release the pressure by killing somebody. He explained that to her last season. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and when you talk about Dexter's growth in the series, do you? Does anybody think? Um, you know, here at the end of the end of the series, you know, he decides he doesn't want or doesn't need to kill uh, Saxon. And you know, you think about Dexter. Dexter, by humanizing and learning from his mistakes uh, and, and finding something to live for, essentially was finding a way to give himself another chance. Do you think, looking back, that maybe they missed an opportunity earlier in the series for Dexter, you know, to, for all these people that he'd killed, you know, all the all the people that had done wrong, that was responsible for the deaths of other people, that maybe Dexter should have been thinking at some point earlier in the series that maybe the best thing was try to find other people to give chance a chance to other people, other people that have killed, because that's what he was doing for himself, ultimately was to find a way to be better. 
Well, didn't he try to do it with Jeremy Downs? Is that what you're speaking about? Where, I mean, Jeremy Downs was well, sort of like the uh, Zach Hamilton Prime, just like the original, almost protege. Mm. Is that what you're speaking about? Yeah, I, yeah, I do. And I mean, that's just one example. And, and I understand that was obviously a failed, uh, a failed one right there. But I mean, they they took it. They 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 made it such a big deal here in the in the penultimate episode that that Dexter wasn't going to to kill. And obviously, in this instance, it was be you know Saxon was going to get taken in by Deb. But but to lo- looking at what other people have done in the past that he's killed them for, you know, de- of all the people that deserve to die, I mean, it's 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 Dexter. I mean, hey, you can you can say he's taking out the trash, and you can say, uh, you know, you can try to find a justification for it, but but Dexter's the m- most prolific serial killer in history. You know, he's killed more people than than anybody as far as I've been able to, to determine, um, and more than Trinity even. And, uh, you know, so of course if anybody deserves to die, it's Dexter for, for, for killing other people. Um, they are bad people. They have killed. They have maybe slipped through the cracks of the law, but he has taken the lives of the people around him. And so, but Dexter decided that his life, he didn't want to die, and that he was going to find a way to redeem himself. Uh, enough for find a way to make his life better and to go away from killing and maybe finding people that he was going to kill and finding a way at some point in the show to try to say, okay, is there a way that I don't have to kill them but they can you know, do better for themselves than what they've done. And obviously people like Trinity and stuff, there's just you know, no way, but you know, but I just I see that as a just something that I, I thought about before. I don't know if there's any real logical uh, you know, end game for that, but but maybe this need not to kill didn't have to come at the penultimate episode of the series. Do you mean like almost well, to become uh, a mentor um, for for other killers to try yeah, and guide yeah, them away yeah, from yeah. doing what they do? Well, that yeah, would taken the show in a whole different direction, of course. I mean, I think the problem. Is that, yeah, I think the problem with doing that, and I, and I don't know that it would have been a bad idea. But if you look at at least the killers that he did take out, you know, I, I don't know that I could really point to one of them outside of, you know, the Zach Hamilton or, or Jeremy Downs example that I could say, oh, yes, this person would be very open to being lectured by this serial killer on how to be a better person. Like, I don't or, – or that any of them would, quote, unquote, deserve to be redeemed, if that makes any sense. I mean, I think about a lot of his, you know, the child killer, the guy that was raping and killing girls, a lot of that's from season one, but – I just don't know that any of those guys, as an audience, could we justify... I mean, we, we already justify rooting for Dexter because he comes with, like, a pre-ingrained it's okay because they're bad guys thing. But would we, as an audience, feel justified in rooting for one of these other, you know, violent, oftentimes, killers because Dexter wants to try and make them better? I, I don't know if we would be able to have that same connection with another killer like we did with Dexter. That's what they tried That's to do with Zach Hamilton. I mean, that fool only killed uh, innocent people, but then we were still supposed to think he was so cool. Well, they, but they, then they, they did try and back out of that by justifying it, by saying, oh, he was doing it to protect his mother, so yeah. it wasn't... 
really that he wanted to kill, and that it was just he was trying to protect people. So they, they tried to justify it a little bit more, where most of his other kills are just, why'd you do it? Because I wanted that bitch dead, and that's the answer. I mean, it's kind of mm-hmm. hard to root for that guy as much, I guess. Yeah, true. That's true. Yeah, I can't say I sympathize with Hamilton too much, <laughs> if at all. Although they did um, go to great lengths to try and humanize him uh, in his final episode, but you know that that was a bit rushed and forced in hindsight. You know, and I know and this is completely off topic, but I've mentioned it two two of the times I've called into the podcast, and I just want to know anybody else's take on this. Can anyone else? Just divine any reason as to why Matthews was made a primary cast member this season. He was hardly even in it. I mean, he had one or two good scenes, particularly in the penultimate. But why up his salary and his his status if he's just going to kind of be a background character? Mm. Was it a reward for long service? I, I, I don't know. But I, they they, I had, mean, they promoted Amy Garcia, didn't they? But she did get more screen time, and she had to get her kit off. So I suppose she deserved a bit more money. <laughs> Oh, that's right. Were they? Was that was this season that they were boning all the time in the beginning, huh? Yeah, yeah. Oh my, that seems like forever ago. <laughs> Those early episodes this season weren't too bad. No, there was some they, good stuff. We were optimistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the thing about promoting Matthews, that is a good question because I don't feel like they owe him anything. I don't know, uh, and his character wasn't entirely important to where. If, if Jeff Pearson decided, like, I don't want to be on the show unless you make me a regular, they could have just been like, all right, then you're not going to be on the show anymore. Mm. You know? Yeah, uh, I mean, I assumed when I when I read the press release about him and Amy, and, and maybe if anyone else was promoted, I don't remember, but him and her specifically ringing my mind. But when I read it, I said, oh, okay. They used him so much last season with LaGuerta kind of figuring it out, but then he decided Dexter didn't do it, that now that LaGuerta's dead, he's going to come back in full force, and he'll be the one reigning hell down on Dexter, as it were. And then to see him just kind of walking around, every now and then he'd walk to the back of a scene and just kind of wave as he went by, and that's that's his inclusion in the season. It just felt very strange to me. Yeah, uh, I feel bad for all the for a lot of the supporting actors on the show this year. I feel bad. For, I feel bad for David Zayas. Like I like I think I said maybe it was said last week uh, uh, email I sent in. I said, you know, David Zayas looks bored this season. He looks really bored. Like, almost like he's sitting there behind the desk in one of his, you know, few random scenes that have him just sitting behind the desk telling, talking to Quinn or Dexter. And you, you just see it. Like, he's almost thinking, like, am I really, is this what I'm really here for this year? Is this is this the extent to which I'm being used this year that I got to sit behind this desk? Uh, I came in for for an hour of filming today, and I'm not I'm not due back for another ten days because that's how little I'm needed anymore, yeah. you know. And and, that, and that's the same with David Zayas, and for pretty much a lot of the other characters. And you know, we got introduced to all these other characters this season. We got introduced to new characters this season. They got way more screen time than David Zayas got the entire season. Nikki. I mean. Did, Nikki, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm her. You know? <laughs> you I mean, know, but would we have been would we have been happier, really, had they given Batista some sort of Masuka's daughter esque storyline that was just this little no. something to knock on? I mean, no, would that have really no. made us happy? Probably not. It wouldn't have made us happy because any storyline that he should have had this year should have tied in directly into the storyline that you know to, to Dexter for something. You know, like the only reason to keep these people around should have been for an endgame worthy of keeping 
Batista and Sia, you know, and Mizuka and all these other people around for all this time, if they weren't all that important, they should have been off or taken out or done something with them years ago, you know, rather than just putting them through all this, all these terrible storylines like we've had to suffer through, like Batista in his midlife crisis buying a car, you know, a couple of years ago and smoking pot with Quinn. You know, and and uh, you know, and then last season he decides to buy uh, this this um, restaurant, and we never see any scenes really in this restaurant for the last you know, 24 episodes or or whatever. Or I guess he bought it what mid season last year. But I mean, it's just you know, it's all these stupid little storylines, and they just have nothing to do. It's almost like okay, we need to give him something to do. Pick something out of a hat. Yeah, and and I agree. I think the biggest thing for me with all that is the fact that, like you said, after giving them all these little nothing storylines, that all of Miami Metro in its entirety, that whole storyline in the finale just felt completely cut off at the hip. I just we never saw you know okay Batista got a phone call. We never saw Joey again. We never saw Masuka again. Matthews that random sergeant that never appeared again. All of these people, you know, the aftermath of, hey, look, on the security camera, Dexter walks out with Deb's body and puts in a boat and drives away. wonder what that's about. Like, we don't get any sort of resolution to any of those characters. And I think that worse than just keeping them around and having them do nothing is just leaving them so dead in the water. You know, I understand that the show is called Dexter, and a lot of the, you know... EP Scott Buck has said, you know, oh, well, it's Dexter's story, you know, we just kind of give you an idea where their lives are going. You really didn't. You had them running around in the background and, you know, saying a line here or there. I have no idea where their lives are going. Masuka's back and forth storyline with his daughter where one day he, you know, stopped smoking pot and the next day, oh, it's okay to smoke pot on the job. I'm sorry for yelling. (laughs) I don't have any idea where Masuka's going. What are you talking about? Yeah. I don't think the writers did either. But I think they would argue the show's about Dexter. The show's called Dexter, and those supporting characters are just there to bolster up whatever Dexter's doing. I suppose, uh, yeah, they just didn't matter in the end. We don't need to know. I and mean, we saw Batista going into work the next day, didn't we? After Dexter rode, uh, after the hurricane. Mm-hmm. And uh, sort of finding out the news. But yeah, that was the last of it, wasn't it? We'll never know. Yeah, this felt, yeah it felt like maybe this was an episode that should have been like 15 minutes longer, that they cut 15 minutes from all the supporting cast, and we just didn't get that resolution. I don't know. I mean, I know that's not the case, but I feel like, you know, Breaking Bad has made his final two episodes 15 minutes plus longer to kind of add in a little bit more detail, and I feel like maybe... I, I, I don't know that it would have improved our overall view of the, of the season eight, but I feel like at least for the closure of the... Uh, subsidiary characters it would have been nice to have those final scenes between them talking like oh isn't it sad that Dexter's dead now and also his sister's dead you know Mm. just something (laughs) you're listening to Dissecting Dexter email your feedback to dissectingdexter at gmail.com blood Sometimes it sets my teeth on edge. Well, guys, it's um, it's getting quite late here, so uh, 
I, I wouldn't mind kind of bringing things to a close. We've been chatting for about three hours, so I think we've uh, <laughs> we've we probably hit most of the uh, the key points. Probably a lot of them negative. So uh, apologies to anyone listening if this is sounding like a complete bash of the season. I think we'd all agree the season wasn't without uh, some good bits, but unfortunately our, our overriding disappointment with the season has just clouded everything. Um, and, and that's probably going to be the lingering aftertaste for, for a lot of us, sadly. Um, just go around the table with any any closing thoughts. Um, Sandra, do you want to do you want to go? Well, um, I'm I'm just sorry that this season was so so bad. I I was really looking forward to it, and it's just a shame that it ended on that bad note. I. I was hoping for something better. <laughs> I'm sorry for, for everybody that just like, oh, she's so negative, but they didn't give me a lot to go on, so sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, an opinion shared, I think, by a lot of people. Um, Chris? All right. Um, well, I'll just close out with two things. One, I've been wanting to mention forever um, since LaGuerta had mentioned that no one at Miami Metro overtakes blood slides, go back and watch season four. The first, the first murder in the bathtub, Dexter takes a blood slide as evidence. So that is apparently procedure, at least back then, because it did happen. But getting I, back I to more the ending topic, um, you know, the season wasn't what I expected. It wasn't what a lot of fans expected. It wasn't maybe what we had written in our heads. But I'm still taking the slightly optimistic approach that, you know, I'm going to distance myself from Dexter. After I finish the last couple of podcasts here from Gareth, I think I'm going to just take a break, distance myself completely from the show. Like I said, maybe wait till sometime next spring and go back to season eight, trying to be as open as I can and see if it improves for me. Because, you know, past seasons have. There's been a lot of hate on Dexter. Season six, a lot of people call it a terrible season. When I distanced myself and went back and watched it, I won't say that it's the best season, certainly not, but I came to appreciate it a lot more and don't really consider it a bad season in retrospect for my own opinion. I'm hoping that that kind of happens with eight, so I'm going to stay optimistic about it because it, for all the bad points, I think that there was, as, as Gareth has said, a lot of good in there too. Yeah, yeah, fair, fair to say. Uh, Travis, over to you, mate. This is a lot of pressure. This is like it, the final thoughts forever. <laughs> final. Um, I, you know, I'm kind of dextered out. Dude. I don't even know what to say no more. Uh, uh, if the season was a letdown, but greater than that, the last half of the show was a letdown. I think about. I've brought this idea up to you before, Gareth. Like it, it kind of saddens me to know, like Harrison has been on the show longer than Rita was, or even I had the thought back in like season five, Quinn was on the show longer than Dokes was. It's just like, is that it? Like this, the the stuff that I really hold so dear, it's gone now. You know, uh, maybe maybe the problem with the season is me. I'm holding on to something that doesn't exist anymore. It's not. It, it maybe it never did. I don't know. Uh, but it's. Uh, you know, I don't know, uh, Gareth. I mean, I'm gonna keep up with your rewatch podcasts. Uh, I'm sure I, no one will blame you for taking a break from Dexter, <laughs> waiting from uh, wait to do that. But uh, you know, I mean, I don't know if I ever. I, I used to get excited, like when I was on- online dating or something. If I found out a girl didn't hadn't watched a show, like, oh, you don't watch Dexter? That was that got you pumped. Like, oh, damn, that's what we're gonna do. That's something we could bond over. Now I'm not sure why that that's gonna be the case, but I don't know. 
yeah. Well, um, this may not be your your last chance for final thoughts because uh, there'll, there'll be the feedback feedback podcast next week. So if if you do think of anything, or if your thoughts mellow, or you just want to throw something mm. out there, then uh, there's the podcast next week. Um, uh, someone actually who's been listening in, Hampus has. Um, I'll, I'll just read that. I've not pre-read his comments uh he he says can i just throw an observation out there not based on any statistics at all but is it just me or is dexter season six seven and eight almost completely played out in daylight i missed the first couple of seasons when stalker scenes with the stealth dexter don't you agree uh Uh, brackets i have the worst cold in history or would have loved to have come on otherwise (laughs) we'll get well soon hampers i think (laughs) you're right that those early seasons there were a lot of nighttime stalks weren't there it's just a lot of i think the word we're looking for i think would be atmosphere it relates to the the music we talked about an hour and a half ago uh you know no more of that cuban music or anything uh there's no the atmosphere is missing from later in the show uh doesn't have a real sense of place like i've never been to miami but you i i felt like i had a sense of what at least the fictional miami was like but now it just might it just seems like a regular city to me well, does, uh, does anyone yeah. else think that maybe it would have improved the atmosphere had they went back for the final episode and filmed in Miami like they did the pilot? Possibly. Oh, ab- I mean, absolutely. I mean, it would have been fan service, but I'd appreciate it. Yeah. Well, they had their. They talked about their reasons for not going back to Miami with the. They they couldn't get insurance, could they, because of the um the weather? Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh. Jason Reynolds in the chat has just said you could say that Dexter has been coming into the light, though. Yeah, fair point, sort of me- <laughs> metaphorical. <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't don't do the writers any favors. They didn't plan that. Don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, we, sounds like oh, it's a playground. It's a soccer game. Ah, oh, it's Ray. <laughs> um, Mike, any uh, uh, closing thoughts? Uh, yeah. Well. I mean, looking back, uh, I, I got into I got into Dexter um, shortly in, in into season two. Uh, I think it was about three or four episodes into season two uh, when I, I caught an episode. Um, I I thought it was really good and interesting, and I ended up going back and rewatching and uh, got myself all caught up. And ever since then, I I I've been a huge huge Dexter fan and uh like you Travis it's like when you find out someone has never seen Dexter you 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 get pumped up and you're just like oh man you you do not know what you're missing and it's obviously that that's kind of dimmed down a little bit although I will say I'll, I'll still recommend it though I'll still recommend it to people uh I'll let them know that they're you know it doesn't maybe get, it's not as good as it was earlier on but uh you know, I'll look back on, on Dexter and view it as a show at least for a while, at least for about four about four seasons, uh, maybe five as a show that um, was groundbreaking uh, in a lot of ways, uncompromising, and sometimes it would throw things at you that would just make you put your hand over your mouth and stare at the screen like, I can't believe they just did that. Yeah. And... That's the show I think we all wish would have stayed at the end um, because it would have been a show that um, would have been uncompromising in, in, in storytelling and um, 
and doing things that would have just made us go, wow, that was just simply unbelievable. Uh, this season wasn't really all that great. Um, it's pretty much near the level, I think, of season six in terms of crapness. Uh, <laughs> but, but, however, they gave us the ending they wanted. It's the ending they wanted written. Uh, we can't change that. But I'll, 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 I will always admire Dexter, the show itself. I'll admire the performances, Michael C. Hall, Deborah, uh, Jennifer Carpenter. Um, and if nothing else, I can look to them and say to anybody that wants to watch the show, if you get nothing from this show whatsoever, you can watch two powerhouse performances every year, which never you know, get lower in quality. They're always at the top of their game. They're always playing, uh, doing everything the best they can, and uh, you can't get much better than that. Yeah, good, good words, and uh, I have to echo your your sentiments. Well, I um, I th- as I say, I echo your sentiments, and I, and I think I'm I'm going to let this finale in the season just ruminate a little bit longer. Is it? Obviously, I'm going to be talking about the show again uh, next week when I do the feedback podcast. So I think I'll um, I'll share. I'm, I'm sure I'll share some further thoughts and opinions then uh, when this show has, has, has sat and rested in, in my head for a bit longer. Um, so I shall I shall get into that next week. But for now, um, this this certainly breaks the record I think for our, our longest podcast. But um, we, we obviously had a lot of people on, a lot of opinions to get through. So um, I hope listeners will um, will forgive the length of <laughs> this particular one. Um, but it's been great having you all on, and, and thanks to those of you who um, have, have been and gone through the duration of the call, um, and, and for those who, who indeed just dialed in just to listen, uh, much appreciated. And, and thanks to those of you still on the call, and, and um, Travis and Mike for being here for the duration. Um, I hope I've not kept you from doing anything else. <laughs> um, nope, nope. Excellent. Okay, well, I'll I'll close things off just by once again saying that um, the feedback podcast will be next week. So if you do want to get any thoughts in, voicemails or, or whatever, um, you know the address. It's dissectingdexter at gmail.com. And uh, all contributions gratefully received. And um, I'll, I'll look forward to going through those with you next week. Um, and the top five podcasts, I've not actually had any submissions yet. I don't know if people are still a bit dumbstruck by the uh, the finale. <laughs> Maybe a bit shell-shocked. I don't know. Um, but um, obviously that podcast will be dependent on, on listener contributions. If if I just went through my top five, it, it might be a, a little bit... Um, a little bit dull perhaps I don't know or, or, um, just listening to more of my own opinions it, it's nice to get uh, w- what you guys think on there as well so um, again dissectingdexter at gmail.com if you want to send me your top 5 highlights from season 8 um, and, and possibly the entire series as well um, if, if I get quite a few contributions uh, with um, your favourite moments from the entire run of the show then um, I'll put together a podcast going through those and um, maybe we could do a uh, a, a format like this and, and have people on to talk about uh, those moments that might be fun okay so um, for now thanks very much again to all my guests tonight and, and thanks to you guys for, for listening and for your ongoing support it, um, it's helped keep me going and, um, always appreciate it so thanks very much and 
as always we'll be dissecting some more Dexter very soon uh, so until next week thanks very much everybody and goodbye uh, goodbye bye is the Dexter train derailed now? I guess Apparently. that's it yeah. no more Dexter train <laughs>